Last night, we had Sean Parnell on the show. He is a Republican running in, I believe it's PA-17. Is that, do you know, the dis- is that the dis- that's the district? That's if you say so, Tim, I think so. All right, all right. So it's uh, like north of Pittsburgh. And uh, he's down. He's still officially a candidate. I don't think they've, they've, they've certified the, the election results yet, but he is on track to lose. And he's filing a lawsuit uh, challenging the constitutionality of mail-in voting in Pennsylvania because their constitution already has an absentee ballot provision. And the Republicans were not, not, this is, these are my words, not, not his in my, in terms of my opinion. He said that the Republicans were trying to pass this law and started the constitutional amendment process and then stopped and then passed the law anyway, which means sounds like they knew what they were doing with was unconstitutional. So apparently Pennsylvania governor announced that he certified the results and, and, uh, seems like it was done hastily in an effort to try and bypass any litigation or whatever. My understanding is that uh, PA didn't certify in 2016 until December. So like they, they waited for a while. Now they've, they've like rushed it through. I didn't even realize it happened. But a judge today said, stop the certification process. It's not official. And now you've got the Democrats being like, yeah, well, we still picked our electors. You can't stop us. And it's just going crazy. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But Trump is also filing an appeal trying to get Republicans in Pennsylvania to choose their own electors. He's certainly not giving up. They had this hearing where they were talking about voter fraud and stuff, which that 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 hearing stuff they, they're doing makes me feel like they're uh, not taking it seriously because it was at, it was at a hotel. But, uh, you know, we're, we, you know I, don't, I don't want to get into too much. We also got some stuff about COVID. Maryland's going crazy. They're, they're launching compliance units that are going to go around like tracking down people who are celebrating Thanksgiving. So open uh, up your door and let us in. They're going to take like uh, uh, GoPros on swivels and like, you know, raise up to the window and be like, there's people that no, they're going to look for cars outside. If there's too many, and this is, this is for real. They're all my cousins. They all live here. Uh-huh. Yeah, Everybody lives here. Get out of here. We, we're car collectors, That's right. but it's getting crazy. So anyway, uh, you know, Ian, Ian, Ian's sick. So his chair is empty. Dun, dun, dun. But uh, Jack Murphy's here. Gone. Hello, everybody. Good to see you. Glad to be back. Lydia. Yep. Jim. Yep. Jack. I am yep. chilling. I'm chilling in a big way. Yep. Jack Murphy live here on Tim Cast. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a, a lot of people are saying like, Tim, where are all your videos? You know what, man? Uh, it's chill day. Holidays are really, really hard to work through because no one else is working. So it's like you're trying to dr- like you're, you're dragging your car by yourself with a tow rope. You know, it's 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 hard to do something when no one else is doing anything. It's like, yeah, but know, Tim, your your audience has to acknowledge that they that they feel an absence, but that absence is created through your persistence and consistent hard work. You're on the grind like nobody else, putting out more political commentary and news reporting than virtually anybody out there. Think, Isn't that right? I think so. I was talking to a podcasting network, and they said I do more political commentary than anyone else anywhere. Now, there's probably some people, you know, they're talking about in terms of the top podcasts. <laughs> Does it count when, when we're talking to Ian as political commentary? Oh, of course, so. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do, I do, Ian. I do three hours and 45 minutes. Yeah, uh, every day. Uh, uh, except for Saturdays and Sundays, that's an hour and 45. So some days when we go over, t- t- uh, way over 10 o'clock, it's like, it's like four, four hours and 20 minutes. There are some days where I've done like seven hours. Of, yeah, for real. Like when we did, uh, when we had Vosh and, yeah, and Alex Jones, mm-hmm. that right. was that was like five hours, six hours of political commentary in a single day. Right. Like that's crazy. Right, right. But or you, podcast commentary and, and, and content stuff. And you doing this consistently over time and delivering high quality. People are looking for you. They're waiting for you. And when they don't get that notification bell, which you should hit, hit me up smash that like subscribe. button. Subscribe. Yeah. Like button. Subscribe. Hit that notification bell. You're gone. You're gone. But guys, Tim's got to take a break. What yeah. you've been doing? What are you going to do? Well, it's, 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 so uh, I'm actually thinking of doing only one 20 something minute segment um, mm. for in the morning on Timcast News and then my 4 p.m. segment on my main channel so that we can start the vlog and do 
non-political commentary content, which means I'd still have three hours of political commentary every day. No joke. Non-political commentary. <laughs> Evergreen commentary. Fun stuff, educational stuff, inspirational I mean, stuff. Yeah. Nah, silly nonsense. We're going gonna to build a giant uh, airbag and launch ramp yes. and like snowboard and stuff. So and fun. Maybe, maybe break the record for the longest uh, uh, grind rail ever, ever grind, you know, done. There you go. Just, just, just something else. You know, I think, uh, yeah, it's just, it's too much in one direction. It's it's too much political commentary. How much do you think your ex- minutes. your experience of having your content get sort of consumed by political commentary? How, how, is that like mirroring the rest of the world? You think it's everybody? Yeah, like everyone's doing political commentary. Yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, I think this was a strategy of the Democrats. They wanted everything to be political because they needed non-voters to vote. They needed they needed regular people who don't care to vote. How do you get some, you know, 23-year-old dude who's playing video games all day to vote for Joe Biden? You scream in their face and take everything away from them and scream in their face again. And finally, like, fine, oh, Joe Biden, there you go. Well, leave me alone. Right, exactly. We, yeah, talk, so. we talked about that a few weeks ago, about the Democrats beating their people over the head, yep. gaslighting, torturing them, you know, basically, yeah. basically threatening them. <laughs> and the only thing they could do is just vote to make it stop. But part of that comes from critical race theory and the activists that have, like, produced all these people, these young kids who've taken over corporations. They're taught that politics is personal. It's all personal. And you have to make it personal. And you have to even get in people's personal spaces and yep. make people uncomfortable. And it's consumed everything. And then you take away you can't go to the football games. You can't go to the basketball games. You can't go to any. You can't do anything. The I only think, show in town is politics. I think we may have crossed the breaking point, yeah. like the hard breaking point in this country. So I've talked, you know, I frequently said, you know, we're sitting on the precipice or maybe we've gone over it. I think we hit the ground. I think we went over the precipice a while ago when we hit the ground. With this election, you know, they, they, there was a hearing the uh, today at uh, the Wyndham in Gettysburg. And you had a bunch of Republicans and they're uh, listening to, to testimony. And man, you had some legit people there. There was one, one guy who was a former intelligence officer who worked psychological operations who was testifying. You know, Trump, Trump called in, but you had a lot of people speaking that, that whole thing. It's weird. It kind of freaks me out. Well, can we, can we just back up for a second, set the stage there? Like, how do you have a hearing in a hotel ballroom? Because un- yeah. it's not official. It's not it makes, official. It makes me wonder, like. So was anybody, like, under oath or sworn in so. or anything? So it was just, yeah, it, had it, the feeling of a hearing. But it was yep. really just a sophisticated or maybe presentation. I think what they're trying to do. I don't know. I'm asking. I think they're trying to, there, there's, like, a large, angry MAGA beast snarling. It's like, you know, you know, today's here's a good example. It's, 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 uh, uh, like trying to calm down the Hulk. Hmm. Like, you know, don't worry, Hulk. Like, you know, you're in the, here, here's the, here's the real hearing. Come sit down. And you got yeah. all these angry MAGA people that are, rah, you know, ready to smash. And so they're like, we're going to do a hearing. And then they show up and everyone's clapping and cheering. And it's like, bro, they're, they're putting you in the kitty room and, and, and blowing smoke up your ass. Now, some people out there, you know, well known commentators on the right, they saw, they saw that, that hearing. And, and it really changed the way that they felt about, you know, was there some sort of systemic fraud at play, at least in this state there? And in terms and, of they don't believe it anymore? <laughs> or they believe it even more? They know that they believe that, that it's time for the Democrats to refute the allegations, that they're serious enough, yeah. they're credible enough, yeah. and that the people making true, the yeah. allegations are credible enough, that, they, that it demands a refutation, actually proving them to be false. That's why I'm saying we, 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 been, we went off the precipice a while ago and we smacked the ground. Of that, wh- the precipice of what? That's what I didn't understand. Like the first. point of no return where this country's divide was getting worse and worse every day. Uh, yeah. And jumping off the cliff was the point where you can't turn back. And then hitting the ground was the point where that it's, it's just done. 
and now we're we're staring at each other and and people are counting heads. Hmm. None of this, in my opinion, uh, matters. We 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 know there's evidence. The media is saying there's not evidence. It's just an absolute lie. Did you see that poll? And I don't know who conducted it, so I'm not sure exactly if it's 100% accurate, but it seemed to suggest that they polled Biden voters after the election and asked them, had they, were they aware of yeah. Hunter Biden? Were they aware they of uh, Operation Warp Speed? Were they aware of our energy independence under Trump, et cetera, et cetera? And they weren't. And they said if they were, they would have voted for Trump in well, a animation. small, a small enough, per, a large enough percentage, yes. but it was a small percentage. It was like typically around four to five percent of the people said, wow, I wouldn't have voted for Biden if that was the case. And that's a huge swing for Trump. It would have been sufficient. Perhaps. The media was doing everything in their power to help Joe Biden. Social media was doing everything in its power to help Joe Biden. Joe Biden did not campaign and got 11 million more votes than Barack Obama. No way. Doesn't make any sense, Tim. So listen, I, you, you come to me and you say, dude, but people really hate Donald Trump. I say, oh, you betcha. But to beat Barack Obama without campaigning? Mm-mm. Now, perhaps you can say. I mean, hold on. Just Barack Obama. I went out to vote for Barack Obama, man. I was motivated. Yep, I too. waited in line. I was proud to vote for Barack Obama. <laughs> I really was in 2008. I certainly was. Come to regret it, obviously. Yeah, me too. But it was Same a moment thing. in time. It felt right. And like there was no similar energy around joe biden but maybe maybe this does prove once and for all and hopefully not that hate is more motivating than than love or hope i'm not i'm not entirely convinced that widespread voter fraud is the is what cost trump the election i think i think we got to see evidence i think what we have right now is the smoke alarm is going off and smoke is billing out the windows Mm. it's time for the firefighters to go in there because we think there's smoke Mm -hmm. so you know for me I've seen enough. The investigations need to happen. But here, here's the point I'm saying where we smack the ground. Yeah. It's not going to matter, especially when you have these hearings. Now, it's silly that they're happening in you know, like a Wyndham or whatever. That's like, what are they doing? You know, they're going to do it in a couple other states, I guess. But some of these people, man, these are these are when I was listening to the certification process for Michigan, some of the people who, who called in for public like to say, do not certify. These were like former government officials. Yeah. These were like, uh, you know, like relatively high ranked individuals in various organizations and government who have said rattling off all the evidence, calling out the law. And they said, F you, F you, man, that one guy, his name was like Aaron Van Langeveld was one of the most feckless and pathetic people I've ever, ever had to listen to. <laughs> it's like you, you had a guy say like under this section of the law, it says for, for any reason necessary, you can call an adjournment. Like you can adjourn the meeting. And he goes, well, I can't just make something up. And they're like, if you can't, certify which is defined as determining if something is true then you can call for an adjournment until they sort out these 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 errors and he goes oh i just don't think that's in the law anywhere sorry and it was like he said it like 10 times and i'm like dude you like it was so obvious that he was doing everything in his power to guarantee this for joe biden hmm. and 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 you had people like one guy called in and rattled off a ton of crazy evidence affidavits you know sworn statements statistical, uh, statistical anomalies the, the things people had seen and uh, the, the unbalanced books, for instance, mm-hmm. 70 whatever percent, you know, signatures didn't match to how many votes were cast. People who had said that they didn't request bo- uh, absentee ballots, but absentee ballots got sent to them anyway. Things like that. Indeed. And this guy goes, well, you know, I don't know, I guess, you know, whatever. I, I have no choice, you know, sorry. It's like you wouldn't exist unless you had a choice. Like, why would you even be in that position? <laughs> right. You're there for a reason to certify. Or you can say, I can't certify this because the books are unbalanced. One one explanation for that is that he was trying to advance the ball for Biden. Another explanation is that he was so soft and scared 
and incapable of making a principled decision or making a hard decision or taking action or anything like that. I don't think he was trying to advance it for Biden. No. I think he's just scared. He's a terrified, weak little man. This is the crisis, the crisis of weak men. So when you hear that the Wayne County Board of Canvassers, some, some guy goes on the Zoom call and says, your kids probably go to this school. And they immediately certify. Yeah, exactly. So this guy who is, you know, should not be in a leadership position, he sees that and he immediately says, I, I have to, I have to, I have no choice. And the reason he was saying that was because he doesn't want Republicans getting mad at him. But guess what? Time and time again, I'll tell you this. It's because Republicans will do nothing. Mm. Conservatives, nothing. <clears throat> you mean in terms of like fighting aggressively or? So Antifa breaks the rules and gets away with it. Yep. 100%. And the only, like, the only thing comparable is probably the Proud Boys, and they typically are defensive. They'll show up and do a rally, and then Antifa attacks them, and then they'll fight back. But Antifa is aggressive, and they get away with it. It's overt terrorism. It's low-tier terror. It's not like they're showing up with, you know, with, like, you know, AKs and mowing down, you know, kids or anything like that. But they're saying— Just picking off Trump supporters one by one on the streets of Portland. It has happened. But here's the thing. That you want to you want to stay under the radar. You can't do high profile in, attacks like that, like like Reinhold did. So what you do is you just put on a mask and you club people, and then eventually people get scared. But cancel culture was the first start. That was them saying comply or else we will destroy you. And and I'll tell you one of the biggest problems. I would say it it, it would seem that there's probably like I don't know four or five percent of Trump supporters who are cowards. They're smart enough to know they need to vote for him, but they were too terrified of what the left would do to him to speak out and evangelize on his behalf. Mm. So I said this about all these celebrities who I know support Trump but refuse to speak up because they're like, oh, lose my job. And I'm like, you will wake up one day with a Joe Biden presidency and everything you hold dear being stripped away. And you'll say, I wish I had spoken up sooner because I had a lot of influence and I could have used it. Bro, you are preaching to the choir on this one, my friend. I have arrows in my back from being out front. People have been free riding on my willingness to go out there personally and stump for Trump and advocate for him and say he's the best choice that we had as far back as 2016, obviously. Democrats they, are deplorable, they, whole transition, everything. They destroyed your career. They, they did. tried hurting your family. They did. They hurt oh. me. They got me <laughs> fired and doxxed and slandered and all kinds of horrible things. And yet, you know, I persist and, and I look around at people who I know feel the same way but don't speak up and i'm like i'm out here i'm out here i'm a lightning rod i'll I'll, I'll say this from now on if anyone ever whenever i'm ever going to bring up not being scared and speaking up i'm just going to say be like jack murphy because people always say tim you don't have a family you don't know what it's like it's like all right well then ask jack (laughs) because you you stuck your neck out you were speaking out they came for your family and you pushed twice as hard after the fact indeed you you weaponized it i had to you know this energy came at me it was negative energy it was this terrorism info terror like uh character assassination etc and they came after me and i jujitsued around into something positive there was, you know, it was an opportunity. I mean, when you see the world in terms of opportunity and energy and you see it all coming at you and you have a chance to turn it around into something good, you know, I seized on it. And plus, <clears throat> living well is the best revenge. There's no question about that. So so think about this guy, this this Michigan uh, state uh, uh, on, on the state board of canvassers. Yeah. Who was no matter what was said to him, citing the law, citing evidence, he said, well, you know, I have no choice. One guy said, if that's the case, then why are you here and not a rubber stamp for the governor? You just ha- we can hand the files to him. You, don't, you, you exist for a reason. In fact, they had the opportunity to vote. Like they literally counted the vote three to zero with one abstaining. It's like, so you could have literally voted no. But this guy wouldn't. And it's really simple why. I've been saying this for quite some time. 
So uh, you're familiar with Sargon of Akkad, right? Indeed. I saw got, that whole thing just happen recently. Well, well, go ahead. No, I don't know. What happened? Something happened? Uh, maybe I have it mixed All right, up. Well, anyway, he's got a, uh, a new podcast called The Lotus Eaters, by the way. So shout out Sargon. But uh, I use him as a really good example because he is like the most mild-mannered, offensive guy, you know, <sighs> that like the, the social media age has, has wrought. And here, here's, here's the example. If Twitter started banning a bunch of people and a bunch of crazy stuff happened, do you think... Sargon of Akkad is going to lead a group of liberalists, men, you know, with fedoras and beards down to Twitter HQ with pitchforks and torches to smash and destroy everything. No, no of course not. No. <laughs> no, he's sitting in his nice little fancy room with his British accent, you know, giving arguments. If they started going after the left, do you think the left would show up with pitchforks, torches and bricks? No, but I do have a counter. No, no, the answer is yes. They oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Yes. They've done it. I absolutely. They literally have done it. I'm sorry. I had a counterpoint in my head to be an argumentative jerk about it. Laura Loomer, she did show up down at Twitter. Yes. Not but, exactly pitchforks. But is anybody scared of her? She She, no. she handcuffed her, her hand to the door. Yeah. No. And, and she got pressed for it. Yeah. It's probably, I mean, honestly, she she is one of the best activists or the best the right has. Yeah. And you don't got to agree with her. I think she said ridiculously bombastic things and offensive things. And you don't got to agree. The point I'm making is she always knows how to dominate headlines. Yeah. And she does it in such a way that's like nobody's getting hurt, handcuffing herself to Twitter's door. Like that's just regular old civil disobedience. And it right. worked. Yeah. So here's what happens. This guy, Aaron, you know, he's, uh, you know, a, a, a sad Scared little man who, you know, he shouldn't be in a leadership position if you can't handle the, 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 the heat. You know, it's, it's the sword of Damocles. You want to sit in that chair, the sword sits above you. How do you even get to that spot? Is it just some appointment? Know. Has he voted in like some, the, the, pro the problem is we don't have leaders anymore. Yes. We have very, very few, I should say. And so what, what happens is here's a guy sitting there and he sees what happens when the Democrat state board, when the two Democrats said, we are going to certify. Did Republicans announce where their children lived and threaten them? So where, where are you? Well, the, the answer is no. No, I know. Where are you going with this critique? That the left is violent, terroristic, the, like Antifa types. I mean, these are not even anti these are like regular Democrats in the community saying your kids go to school here. Yeah, no, it's a perfectly normal thing on the left to say all kinds of stuff like that. And they know that when they say that Antifa is the is is, is the cudgel. Who will show up and act and they'll say it's, it's, what is it called? Stochastic terrorism. No. They know that they can say, don't your kids go to this school? And then they'll say, now I can only, now, now all I have to do is sit back and wait for Antifa to show up because they'll do it. I don't got to tell them. So this guy's terrified. He's absolutely terrified. The other guy abstained. He didn't even say no. These people are spineless. So you have aggressive, angry, violent, deceitful leftists and you have scared conservatives saying, just please leave me alone. Right. And I agree with you. The the ineffective, wimpy guys like that or leaders of any kind shouldn't be there. We need stronger leaders. We need masculine energy. We need all kinds of new force. However, I'm, I just want to make sure I understand this. The left of us play dirty. Are you suggesting the right <clears throat> should play strong or play dirty too? They got to be smarter. They so, got to be, so yes. be smarter. <laughs> so look, you know, I, I play, I, I've grown up playing strategy games. And what the left is doing is aggro. Their strategy is hard, hard and fast. Strike them, hit them low, hit them fast, get it done. The Republicans got to play control better. They have to understand, you know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to make threats. They're going to come for your family. You need to know their move before they do it. And so that like, you know, Bruce Lee, move like water. When they come at you, spin around, flip it on them. Tur turn it out, turn the energy back on them. 
You did. Yes. It's exactly what you did. Yes. They Thank came you. at you and they made you 10 times stronger, 100 times stronger. Yes. Even that was more. a mistake. And counting. That's what more people on the right need to be doing. I'm, so it's, it's not about playing dirty. It's about, you know, I'm reminded of this episode of Frasier. You ever watch Frasier? <laughs> I sure did. I watched Cheers and then Frasier. All right. So uh, <laughs> there's an episode where I guess Frasier is having a bad day. <laughs> And he has his, his normal table at the coffee shop and he's got his coffee sit down. He, he goes up to grab some creamer or something and a guy sits in his chair and he gets angry and he says, sir, this is my seat. And the guy tells him to F off. So, so Frazier just says, I'm having a bad day. I'm not having it. Picks the guy up and throws him. So eventually this guy sues him knowing he's like a radio host. He got money and, uh, you know, Frazier can't do anything about it. So eventually they end up meeting back at the coffee, coffee shop and then Niles gets in his face. And then, you know, you know, starts pressuring him and insulting him. And then the guy says, back off, man, and pokes his chest. And then Niles goes, whoa, and falls over and slams <laughs> onto the floor. And then he goes, countersuit, countersuit. And then the guy backs off Got and it. says, OK, I give up mm -hmm. the point. So the joke was and he, he was like, I didn't do anything. No, he's like, well, you, we, we all watched you touch him. You know, that's it. You're going to get sued. Niles got the suit shut down by playing the same game the other guy was playing. Got it. Got so it. I'm not saying, like, definitely not. Republicans should not be going out doing Antifa stuff. Antifa shouldn't be doing that either. Right. But what do you do if you know the DA will cut these people loose? Boom, like that. Because they got, they got elected in the first place. Well, they have a whole infrastructure. You and I talked about this many times, and I take, I take extra special pleasure now in documenting legal defense fund folks. Oh, yeah. When they're out there in the protests, copying down the officer's badge numbers and giving out bail numbers and helping people get out of jail. And as you said, not being there to observe both parties, but actually there as an advocate for Antifa. Yep. They, they have a whole network that encourages them. They get out of jail. They're not prosecuted. It's a, it's a whole system. We don't have that system because we adhere to the system of the rule of, rule of law. And we expect that if you destroy property or federal property, you're going to go away to federal prison. So what do you do if you're playing Monopoly Yeah. and the person across the table, every so often you see him swipe a hundred from the bank and you go, dude, I saw you do that. And you'd be like, what are you talking about? No, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm allowed. I'm the banker. Eventually, do you stop playing? I mean, you're putting me in a tough spot, Tim, because I'm the kind of guy that would either confront or just completely ignore Flip the table you just you know I, I like to pick my moments of aggression like that and sometimes it's just not worth it but but the alternative here of just like getting up and walking away from the board game that's easy i can do that i can be like dude i don't want to hang out with you anymore i'm not gonna play this game anymore <laughs> i'm yeah. out and it just leave we we do not have that luxury no that's uh it 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 that exists in the real world and that's the scary that's the hitting the ground moment that's what i'm saying yeah we're at a point where yeah we've seen the evidence there is so much evidence of first irregularity because fraud we got to figure out who did it and is it definitive so uh following matt brainerd of the voter integrity fund yeah. he recently put out a database like he, like screenshots of excel of, of people all using the same commercial address as their residential address some of them even post offices yeah. So, so the, the response to that was that they, they were, they were using their mailing address as their residential address. So that could be an, a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. But some of these addresses were just like, one of them I think was, uh, uh, like, like a shopping mall or something. Like, okay. And the, and, and the difference is they say apartment on them. Mm -hmm. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna use the same address and then call it apartment number to make it seem like it's a real residence, that 
that's fraud. That's evidence of fraud outright. One of the things that he pointed out that struck me was that in, I think, Wisconsin, I believe, there is a particular clause that says if you are indefinitely confined, you can get an absentee ballot yes. and not have to show ID. And it's like some X amount. 169,000 people indefinitely confined. Right. In previous years, it had been some fra- tiny 16, fraction yeah, of that. In, in 2018, I think it was like 16,000. And and he specifically noted that Corona was not an indefinite uh, confinement. So it, it, that's one area where you don't need to use an ID. So, of yep. course, that's a perfect vector for, for so, cheating. That is the, the best evidence so far of fraud, in my opinion, was that people put bunk addresses. If you take an address for a, you know, a Dairy Queen and then put apartment number on it, yeah, we know what you're doing. That's that's fraudulent. Some of them were even the post office. <laughs> like, well, but the argument there is that well, you have like a PO box. Yeah. So their mailing address was incorrectly listed as their residential address. Mm, I see. See I that? See, see. I'm not saying it's definitively true. That's what, what happened. That but you can explain it away. Right. You can't explain away someone listing a a, a shopping mall as their as their residence. Right. right. Like. And, 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 and was like a thousand of them all with the same address going down with unit number, apartment number, you know, just like different ways to qualify. Like this is actually, it's not a residence. So there, there clearly is evidence of fraud. Now it's not definitive proof. It could be very simple at this one shopping mall. Somebody has a mailbox or something like that. And then again, confuse their mailing address. Someone pointed out that. You actually, like in some instances, you can put your mailing address as your residence on some form or something and maybe got mixed up, but you can explain it. Yeah. But the point is, we have all of this evidence and going back to the hitting the ground moment, the fact that Republicans held a hearing at a Wyndham means the split has happened. <laughs> right. Why aren't they having that meeting in an official government building? Right. Because they're now operating parallel to the government. Don't say it, Tim. Why not? The it's beginning, true. The beginning of the shadow. Uh, well, CNN ran a segment where this deranged guy said Trump's going to form a shadow government. I wouldn't call it a shadow government, but I wouldn't be surprised if Trump says, if you support me and you believe me to be your president, I will be leading a movement. Mm. He could. Yeah. And it could operate within the confines of the law, but it could have powerful and, and massive impacts across well, the country. People have accused Obama of running a shadow government, yep. shadow presidency this whole time living, but merely a mile away from the White House. In yep. Colorado and Washington, D.C., near Bezos. Bezos, who bought a museum, dude. He wow. he bought a museum and turned it into his private residence in downtown Washington. If we have to have hearings at Wyndham Hotels uh-huh. because we, we're not, we can't have them in actual legal buildings with, with legitimate legal proceedings, then it shows you that people are no longer confident in one unified system. The government exists based on one thing, confidence. That people think in their minds the machine exists and the machine will churn along. You start to realize then when you see a judge in PA issue ridiculous rulings or you start to hear the, the state canvas guy in Michigan repeatedly just say, I can't do it, even though he got the law in front of him saying he literally can. And it's like, dude, you're lying. Why are you like you literally can? The guy read you the law three times desperately trying to say, I can't shows you the laws become meaningless. For the past year, we have seen Antifa get away with uh, smashing things up and destroying things and burning things. Felony, Black Lives Matter arson, felony assault, getting, assault with a deadly weapon, murder. And so, well, let's uh, not sugarcoat it. Well, but some, but the, the people, the most violent people, did get arrested and get you know charged in stuff. that regard. Yeah. But we had what thousands of people across the country who were arrested and released immediately. Many hundreds uh, in Chicago, hundreds in New York and Dallas Fort Worth who had their charges dropped, misdemeanor charges. 
So then what's the point of the law if these people can go out and smash things and get away with it? What's the point of the law if Antifa can literally organize terroristic events on Twitter with no repercussion? And they've been doing it nonstop for a year. At a certain point, Republicans are going to say the law doesn't actually mean anything because it doesn't get enforced. Then they're going to show up to a Wyndham hotel to have their hearing on voter fraud because they're rallying among themselves saying, we know this is true. And it doesn't matter if the official building or the Democrats think it is or isn't. We, we, so at a certain point, there's not necessarily a shadow government, but I've been saying this for quite some time with the censorship. They are pushing to create parallel economies yes. by stripping people away of their financial institutions and communications. So now we have parallel social media growing faster than ever. Parlor over 10 million users now. You have, the, like I mentioned, hearing in a hotel. Like an official proceeding, it looked like it was like it was a Senate hearing, but they were doing it in a hotel, which is crazy. And you have CNN worried about Trump forming a shadow government. But there are people who say legitimately Trump won and we know it. And they're not. You, you had uh, uh, Rhodes of the Oath Keepers say that he believes Trump supporters, half the country will not regard anything out of Obama's. Uh, I'm sorry, anything out of Biden's mouth as legitimate. So it's it's like the fracture has happened. Yeah, we smack the ground. Boom, it's done. Yeah, uh, these parallel uh, circumstances, economies, information markets, networks, associations, these are all happening. This is all part of the trend of decentralization and streets of strategic disconnection. Instead of us all being in the same thing with no borders and no boundaries and totally connected to everyone everywhere at all times, we are going to start retreating. Some of it's deliberate in an offensive way from the other side to silence us or separate us from the mainstream or whatever the case but some of it is coming from our side too. Some of it is just a natural phenomenon at this point where you want to erect a barrier. You want to have a wall between yourself and the people you care about and the people that you don't know and that you don't have the same level of care for, who people who might have it out for you. And eventually we're going to have not just parallel financial systems or economies or labor markets, but decentralized and just, it's just sort of all in a big mix, but they're all connected in their own unique ways. And it really is the future of work. It's the future of communication, of finance, where people are going to come together and build their own networks where they can live, work, and play. And this is, you know, this is not, you know, this is sort of a longer term vision here. Yeah, but that's, that's going to lead to widespread violence. If we're talking about Trump supporters. Well, I was talking about a little bit of a different thing than you're talking about, but I, I hear what you're saying. Go ahead. If, if Republicans and Trump supporters right now are, have no longer have confidence in the elections, in the government, in the system, and they're going to start doing their own thing. And I, they probably will. So like one of the things I said a month or two ago when someone asked me, like, what do you think it's going to look like if we do see some kind of civil war? I said, it's going to be a bunch of right wing dudes in the middle of nowhere just basically saying we no longer care about what the law is. Like if they pass a law on gun control saying turning your guns, they're going to be like, yeah, who are you talking to? Yeah, forget it. Yeah. And we, and we saw we saw seeds of that starting in the spring in January, in the winter in January in Richmond in Virginia, mm -hmm. when the governor and the, and the legislature there were looking to pass very restrictive gun laws. Many counties said that they wouldn't have forced the laws and they were joining together in resistance. And there, there was just a huge protest where a bunch of armed dudes were walking around. I'm not sure if it was Virginia or D.C. I think it was D.C. Couldn't have been D.C. No, that, that's, that was the point. I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ford Fisher was covering it. I think it was D.C. I could be wrong, but he was basically like, these guys are violating in large numbers gun control laws. We'll see what happens. Oh. 
I didn't hear about that. I'm going to have to look that up. If there's a gang of armed dudes walking through the streets of D.C., all felony possession, boom. Yep. I can't believe that they didn't get scooped it up. It may have been Virginia. Yeah, that would it make, may have been would in, make uh, more sense to like me. A, yeah, in a part Ford of Ford reported it? Yeah, Ford was reporting it. Okay, but it was a while ago. It was oh, like was a it? week or two ago. Okay. So... I don't know. Just see if you can Google it. It's going to be opt out. Think it's already happening. Think about if you are a Democrat in Montgomery County, Maryland, and you don't believe that we should have restrictive immigration and your county says basically, hey, if you show up here, we'll give you services. We'll take care of you. You get a driver's license. And if we arrest you, even for a violent crime, we won't engage with the federal immigration authorities, yep. whatever. So they, they started this a long time people ago. People have been ignoring the government. I think since and even before it was yep. incepted. So that was one thing I wanted to do. I want to step back a second and just be like, look, you remember 2016, all those, all those Democrats were like, you should engage electoral college and change the vote and yeah, whatever. Yeah, and yeah. they're saying that, you know, it's also, so, oh, wait, there's, there's a video of a bunch of celebrities saying you will be a hero electoral college. If you vote your conscience and do not elect Donald Trump. Right. Amazing. What are they saying today? Well, and they're saying the exact opposite. And yeah. if you suggest that you're a terrorist and a, and a rebel and whatever. But my point in bringing that up is how much of these feelings that we're having, the sense of disintegration or I won't respect him, not my president and all that, or like ignoring federal laws, how much of that is really new? That's that's what I, I want to know. Sanctuary cities have been a thing for a long time. Civil disobedience has been a thing for a long time. Ignoring federal guidelines and laws and regulations state, has been a thing for a long time. State Republicans having hearings in Wyndham hotels, like D. This is pretty good. Good. Good example. Decriminalization and legalization of cannabis on a state level, even though it's federally prohibited. That's a great example of states ignoring the federal government, well, disregarding the law and saying, screw you, we're going to do what we want. That's different, though. Why? It's just, I think it's the same thing. When, when a state says we want, we, we are a sovereign state, you know, and we've decided there was a big wave of states declaring sovereignty, you know, I think it was like uh, 12 years ago or so. That's the states always have their own laws and own, you know, and they can, there's a lot of laws that don't, you know, work with federal laws. It's different when you have two overarching cultures with 70 plus million on each side. For the most part, not every single person who voted for Biden or for or against Trump or for Trump are, you know, super politically active. There's right. probably a lot of people who are just like Democrat and, you know, Republican. And well, let me just say thematically then it's the same in that disregarding the authority of the federal government, deciding to do what you think is right and not accepting it as legitimate what's coming from Washington, D.C. That's on theme. Those roads have already been traveled. Will we see more of that? Probably. I don't I don't I don't I don't think so. I think sanctuary uh, laws are like a legal challenge where the people in the state like they agree and they vote for something and then the feds challenge them and there's a lawsuit and then the feds ultimately back back off. Right. And then that that's that's it. You don't get cooperation. It's different when you have in the state, in the same areas, two different factions of people completely at odds with each other doing different things as though there's a different government or a different system for uh, um, your so would, of grievances. So would you take the Monopoly board and just flip it over and fling everything everywhere and say, we got to start over and get a whole new game? Or are you going to get up and walk away? Or are you going to punch the guy in the face? What are you going to do, Tim? Man, uh, walk away. But it's, it, it's it, that, that, therein lies the serious problem of what, is, what does it mean to walk away in this analogy? I got a house out in the middle of nowhere and I'm doing my own thing. And, uh, uh, they, the lockdowns are getting, uh, bro, we're, 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 we're well beyond the point of these, these dystopian novels. Right. Maryland announced <laughs> they're launching compliance units 
that are going to patrol Thanksgiving looking for cars that could indicate someone's having family over compliance units. I mean, that's as absurd as I saw a joke about like banning turkeys over 12 pounds or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it was Newsom, like no 10 pound turkeys. No, they that said, was a joke. That was a joke. Oh, that was a joke? <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure it was a joke. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Somebody brought it up. But did you, did you see the thing they said about no loud music? No. What does that have to do with COVID? Well, not to be the party pooper on that one, but loud music does induce people to speak more loudly and enunciate more clearly. All right. Which is which is why which 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 I really they're not you don't not allowed to get it. you're not allowed to play music at restaurants. And I was like, what what is that about? And they're like, yeah, the volume has to be low so that you don't yell, so you don't spit all over everybody. I kind of get which, it. Which actually is one of the ones that only ones that really make any sense to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. But well, they also said no alcohol. That's fun. I'm yeah, sure everyone will follow that. Def- rule. Definitely. definitely, and but you know, I'm seeing some pushback, man. I'm seeing some pushback. I've seen in my local jurisdictions parents getting together and and, and agreeing that their kids should be co- you know playing little league, that their kids should be playing baseball, they should be doing crew, they should be playing tennis, that they should have group practices, and they should try to find events. Like people are people are tired. They're yeah. under, they understanding that's, the damage that's being done to them and their kids and their development and their social development. That's kind of interesting to me because I looked up the word feckless because I didn't really know what it <laughs> And the root word of feckless is irresponsibility. Mm. And I think that parents who are looking for ways to get their kids out of lockdown sadness are being responsible. I and agree People with are looking that. for ways to make positive change are being responsible. I so agree. People like this guy who didn't certify are irresponsible. I, I have the uh, tweet from Ford Fisher. Oh, snap. He says, today, Boogaloo boy Mike Dunn led militia activists on an armed march in laps around the Capitol in Richmond, Virginia, where it's illegal to carry guns at protests. And it's illegal to carry 20 plus uh, 20 plus round mags. Police stood back and did not intervene as the group defied both laws. Wow. This is uh, a large group of people and they're carrying lots of weapons in violation of the law. And it's Richmond, Virginia. It's not D.C. Right. He says, he's got another follow-up. He says, police monitored the area, many carrying long rifles themselves, but did not intervene as the Boogaloo boys marched by them, as well as signs reading firearms prohibited <laughs> beyond this point. Other than pleasantries like good morning, police didn't really speak to them. In mm. fact, in the beginning of his video, you can see a sign that says notice, and there's a picture of a, a handgun in, with a, in a red circle with a line through it. <laughs> so there have been protests before. There's been widespread civil disobedience before, but... Has that been combined with widespread factional violence and 70 plus million people believing the election, you know, or I should say, to be fair, based on the polling we've seen, it's around 80 percent of Trump's voters in various polls, 80 percent, more than one poll said this, do not believe the election was free and fair. So we're looking at something like 65 million people or so, 66 million people who think that the election was rigged. How many Americans do you think have ever seen a baseball game where they knew the other side was cheating and they just thought to themselves sort of like, well, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yep. That that's a that's a saying. That's a thing. Yep. Americans, they fight hard. Yeah. So how much is there a chance that if if they go through all of the legal process and everything is exhausted at the end of the day, whatever the final arbitration is, it's like for Biden. You don't think some of that 80 percent is just going to be like, well, we'll get them next time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's very very likely. Lessness. So that's that's it's it's conservatives. It's it, I mean it's it's conservatives saying well they're cheating and we know they're cheating, but you know whatever. So I'm trying to combine the fecklessness you're describing <sighs> with this anticipatory conflict that you're thinking about that that we've gone off the precipice and we're I'm shattered. Not, I'm not saying that whatever's happening is going to in the immediate result in you know marching armies or anything like that or or you know. The Republicans arming up and saying, you know, no confidence in the, the government or whatever. I'm saying they literally are already having public hearings outside of government. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that means, I don't know, but they're doing it. Yeah. And and it wasn't like they, they said, you know, this is the official offsite location. Like when they moved the White House, you know, yeah. to the other buildings. I wish I could remember the name of that octagon. Mar-a-Lago Winter White House. You no, know, I'm talking about in like 1800s, man. You know, but just for a temporary location, they didn't announce anything like it. It was just really just a dog and pony show where people with credible, credible people came and gave their test, but not even testimony. They're, they're just sort of. So that's, that's that's the other thing I was saying early on, that perhaps what they were doing is just trying to calm down the Hulk. They were like, we need to make sure that Republicans grumble and go home and do nothing. Hmm. So we're going to give them their hearing. You're not giving them a hearing in an actual building, are you? <sighs> Fine, we'll do it at the Wyndham, I guess. Then they'll feel like we actually listen to them. The Republicans are, it, like right now, in my opinion, in Pennsylvania, look at this. They're the ones who pa- passed Act 77. Which created the universal, uh, the no excuse mail-in voting system, which, according to the lawsuit, that's actually gotten, you know, that, that's gotten the certification frozen, unconstitutional. It was Republicans who passed that. Now, in Pennsylvania, the Republicans are holding these, like, you know, it, it reminds me of that joke where they said, both the left and the right have said this about Biden or Trump, make a fake White House, put, you know, candidate in it, and then film a reality show where they think they're president. <laughs> So they're like, let's set up a hearing. We'll do it at a hotel. It won't be official, but we'll convince the Republicans we're actually looking out for them. Mm. And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't uh, know Pennsylvania politics so, so well, but uh, were the people, those Republicans, were they the old line establishment types, the neocon types? Were they or not, not MAGA, obviously? I just wonder how that went down. But you've mentioned a few times a challenge that you think has some legs, right? The unequal treatment of the ballots and the voting process and the cure periods and things like that. So this is the crazy thing. The judges and PA are basically saying, burn the whole thing down. We don't care. And it's it's almost like the rulings they're giving are them looking you in the eyes and saying, no, it's totally fair what we're doing. Mm. <laughs> and then you're like, what? Like these rulings are just like, I can't remember the specific case that I said the other day. You have to watch the other episode. But it's 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 basically like. We, we've deemed that uh, this lawsuit is true and correct, and this is unconstitutional, but we're going to allow it, and then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll call on the legislature in the future to do something about it. Mm. So it's like, you, you know that it was bunk and something was bad, and you're going to let it stand. So what happens when the judge said, what do you, he said to Giuliani, what do you expect me to do, disenfranchise, you know, 7 million voters or whatever? And Giuliani, I guess he was like, you know, we don't know where these votes came from. In this case, the judges had, they had two choices. If they agreed with Giuliani and said, these 700,000 votes are hereby being disqualified at the fault of the Pennsylvania government for violating the election code. Oh, now I remember exactly what they said. You're going to love this. The judge said, the election code states there must be observers witnessing the uh, uh, observers present 
to observe the ballot counting process, but it doesn't state a distance. Therefore, as long as they're in the building, it's up to code. No sane, rational person looked at the code and said, that's the point of the law. We know why the law was passed as it was, because you want someone to observe the actual ballot. The judge said, it doesn't say what distance, 100 feet back. So when they sued saying we couldn't witness what was going on, the judge said, you were in the building, right? Good enough. That's the election code. That is them laughing in your face when you know what the point of the law was and using a technicality. Sorry, it's true and fair. And then laughing and high-fiving their friends. I wonder uh, if there's ever been a circumstance in which we, on the right, people were, you know, pushing the pedal to the floor in this regard. I imagine there has to have been. All I mean, history war. George events. W. Bush, Iraq, <laughs> Afghanistan. Yeah. Them being like, there's weapons, there's weapons. Trust us. Don't look. Don't look behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. And then the media lied and defended them. So look, with the Democrats right now, you get the media lying and defending them. And guess what the media, li- guess what the media lied and defended in 2003? George W. Bush and the Republicans. Right. So it's, it's, the, the game is, the political establishment is a well-oiled machine. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. <laughs> Do you actually think these people would allow the rabble to dictate the course of, of human events? Absolutely not. Right. Donald Trump being the rabble and the rabble rouser. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the leader of the rabble and the one that we launched into D.C. to do the things that he did. Some of them, at least. I, 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 <laughs> I mentioned this before, some. but I remember being outside that building after Trump got elected and he comes in in the SUV and he's having a meeting with the old guard Republicans. And the rumor was he basically told them to go after themselves. He was the president and do whatever he wants. And I'm sure the meeting went something like, now that you're president, here's the plan we have in place for what we want you to do. And he said, no, I'm the president. We're going to get America back on track. And they were like, trust us. This is the plan. He said, no, they went nuts. The never Trumpers erupted. A bunch of Republicans retired. It was basically a president who says, here's what the, the people want. I don't care what you want. And then the intelligence agencies and the uh, establishment elites, you know, were all simultaneously drinking their tea and dropped their glasses. We're like, oh, oh my. Clutch their pearls. Yeah. He's, and they, he's and going to help the rabble? And they didn't have anything on him like they had on the rest of them because it would have yep. come out. It yep. would have come out, and it oh, they, they tried. They lied, and they put up all these ridiculous accusations. It didn't happen, though. Yep, because because he was clean, and they didn't. He wasn't in the club. He wasn't supposed to win, right? And he did. They hadn't so- soiled him prior. He wasn't like coming up the ranks and getting. He was supposed to visit Epstein Island before right. you know getting his opportunity, right? Yeah. You know, I'm this, kidding by the way. Cause I don't think Obama. Or, you know. <laughs> this is a good time to bring up maybe uh, the pardon today. Oh, oh yes. Michael Flynn. Yes. Yeah. Let's this talk is scary. About this is scary stuff. Why is it scary? Uh, not the pardon. Oh, uh, I think the pardon was the right move. It's yeah. scary that Judge Sullivan. So, so I'll give you the quick context. Uh, Michael Flynn was charged with lying to the FBI, but it was an informal meeting. He wasn't actually in an official meeting under an official investigation, as far as he knew. He's hanging out at the White House, and some guy asked him a question. You ever talked to Kislyak? And he was like, "No." And they're like, "Gotcha. You lied." And they said, "Plead guilty, otherwise we're going after your son." And so he said, "Okay." Once Trump got control of things, he said, we're going to drop this case. The judge said, no. They tried again. Judge Sullivan started prosecuting, essentially, refusing the the prosecution to drop their case. It makes no sense. And then here's the funniest part. The most infuriating thing. Over the past month, do you know what Judge Sullivan has done? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. You know why? Sullivan is waiting for Joe Biden to get in so they can lock up Michael Flynn Mm -hmm. for no reason. Because he offended the delicate sensibilities of the political establishment by working with Donald Trump. That's it. 
They used him as a weapon against Trump. They threatened his family. And Trump is pardoning him now. This is a political civil war. And that, that language came from, came from Mother Jones. Yeah. They said the political civil war will carry on. When you have the Obama administration falsely targeting a national, an acting national security advisor who was doing his job, targeting his family, and we saw it from the notes that got released. The FBI said, what's our goal here? To prosecute him or get him fired? The fact that they even questioned getting him fired proves that their intention was just to hurt Donald Trump's campaign. Yes. That's it. Or or his administration. Yeah. And with the underlying motivation of protecting themselves, right? Because Flynn was the one who knew where the skeletons were buried or which closets the skeletons were in. (laughs) Something like that. He knew where the bodies were. There we go. He knew where the bodies were. Probably literally and figuratively. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it definitely derailed things. And it also put Trump in a really bad position where he, you know, he fired him and then he looked bad. He yep. didn't look loyal to his people and he threw out sort of uh, a, a, a dynamic guy who wanted to make change in the right way, who saw the world the right way, and was part of the whole team that was supposed to make changes. And that was a huge fumble and a huge, a huge win, basically, for the Democrats there. And uh, it just reminds me actually of why the presidential pardon exists in some cases. I mean, you had to people had to believe that they would use the courts against your political, you know, allies as a way to get to you. So, like, of course, people that support the president are going to be attacked. And this is a way to, you know, maybe protect somebody in that regard. I'm not an expert on presidential pardons, so I'm just spitballing. Yeah, it does seem weird that uh, he pled guilty, then they tried dropping it, and it's like the case is already, it's like, did it already get to that point? Like, where are we at? But it's weird, like you can pardon someone before they've been investigated or, or charged or something. Like, yeah, I'm weird. not. I'm not an expert on that. All I know is I wish that he would have done that sooner. Brought him. He back wanted into to get reelected. Fold. He didn't want to rock the boat. Who was advising this guy? If yeah, he no. would have pardoned Flynn, more people would have come out and supported if him. If Trump came out in the first debate with the when they said your last and final statement, I Donald J. Trump am going to completely legalize through executive order. On my first day of re-election, January 21st, I will completely legalize cannabis nationwide and pardon all nonviolent drug offenders. If that was that last thing he said, he's like 120 million votes. I have been saying that since 2016. One of the survey questions in uh, the survey I did for Democrats are deplorable. The last question, bonus question. Do you think that cannabis should be decriminalized at the federal level? And it was like 75% to 25% of Democrats to deplorable voters uh, supported it. It would have been a huge win. I called for it. I even told all my contacts in the White House. I've been pushing for it. I mean, they don't have the influence to get that done, but I, tr- I tried. I tried because it's a civil liberties issue. It's a it's a civil rights issue. You know, it's a liberty issue. I mean, also, it's just sane and smart. So you know, and, and it's, it generates a lot of revenue through taxation. It I mean, it's been, just, it would have been it right would it, it, it would defang a lot of cartels, which it already started has started to do. You know, you know, what's really crazy. You know, the cartels are selling now. I don't want to know. Is it getting worse? Uh, make, make a guess. They're selling. So so now a barbitol. So now that now that pot is basically recreational in many different states. Yeah, uh, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. It's way it's way worse. Way worse than yeah, that. Yeah, avocados. avocados. Oh, no snap. joke. Whoa. Avocados. Really? Yep. You know they because avocados are extremely like in demand. Lucrative. You know, yeah. millennials love that avocado toast. I mean, yeah. avocados are pretty awesome. So they're shaking down avocado farms now. It's more money. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that a hundred percent that those guys aren't dedicated to the art and the the, the act of it's selling drugs. They're just trying to. If they knew a guy that bought bricks for ten and the heck, they could sell <laughs> bricks for nine or buy, but they would do it. They would do it that way. Maybe yeah. not in that order. Uh, but yeah, he could have done it. He didn't do it. There's a lot of things he could have done, didn't do. 
Uh, I, I don't know if I'm ready for the postmortem, although I've been critical of him every time that he needed it. And I've been supportive when he has, you know, I, I've never been one to come out and just throw MAGA red meat and say Donald Trump is the God savior and all that. He, he represented an opportunity for us, the network to make change. And I, I think he was effective in some ways in that regard. And he certainly, certainly stalled some of the things that we wanted to stall and slow. Uh, but was he perfect? No. And, you know, who the, knows? Eco the economic devastation that will come to this country in the next uh, several months will be, I believe it's going to be COVID related. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's going to be unimaginable. And the new administration. You th Tim, you really, th you really think that the COVID situation is going to be worse now than it was in March? Uh Based based on the fact that people are already had already had their legs chopped off in March and now they're coming for them again. Oh, fiscally, you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The lock, the, the so they're destroying ownership. Yeah. The, I mean, I'm telling you, we got this. Uh, the, I got the. Let me let me pull the story. The story up. New COVID policing unit yeah. to launch in Maryland on Thanksgiving Eve. They're uh, <laughs> Thanksgiving high vi Eve. high visibility enforcement efforts. They're calling like they're calling them like compliance units, state and local police to enforce compliance. We're literally at a point where the government, against the direction, against the science, and, and even in some instances, instances against the direction of the CDC, are destroying the economy. Here's what happens. Have you noticed the Dow Jones hit 30,000 points today? I sure did. Yeah, that's real good news for people with money in, in, in you know, retirement or in their stocks. But younger people and, you know, people who are lower class just got cut off completely. Like, yeah. We're, we're, we're at, we're at a point where you can see the stock market skyrocketing while businesses are being, are collapsing. Wait, you know, wages are gone because the jobs are gone. So Joe Biden says, I'm going to trust the scientists on what we should do. And, and who's his advisor is Dr. Osterholm, who said, lock the whole country down for six weeks. Remember 15 days slow the spread turned into, you know, 15 days, 10 months. And, and the goal was just to ease the burden on the ICU so that we didn't have a bunch of secondary yep. uh, deaths because of capacity overloads. And one thing that I have noticed, uh, it looks as though that the second wave in Europe isn't resulting in the same amount of deaths proportionately as the first go round. It also looks Me, like they matter. might be peak. I, I understand, but just in terms of, the science and the data is going to show a much more diminished effect, I think, this time. And you know Plus, what they're we have say? therapeutics and we have treatment and knowledge. And they're that. gonna they're gonna say, "Oh, that's because the lockdown is working. We better double our efforts." In in Greece, if you want to leave your house, you got to text the cops. Let them know why. In France, you got to have your papers. Where is the rapid disposable test? If we could just where is Antifa? <laughs> What do you mean? The anti-fascist to say the government cannot oh, come down right. and lock you in your home. Right. Exactly. No, they're cheering for it, I guess. Yeah. Where they, where'd they go? What They'll I protest some fat old Trump supporter waving a flag, <laughs> but they turn a blind eye when the government comes and starts locking people in their houses. LARPers with attitudes, for sure. But I think, isn't a solution this a rapid test that you can just take every day? Or you can take it when you go somewhere. Just test, test all the time. This is this should be the they're thing unreliable. we should be focusing on. Moving well, so... I think what's going to end up happening is we've already saw it with, uh, I, I think it's pronounced Qantas or Qantas. I don't know. It's Q. The, the Australian airline, if you want to oh, fly yeah, international, Qantas. you got to get your vaccine. You got to have your, your, your approved vaccine status. Wow. And, uh, Ticketmaster announced they would list vaccine status on tickets if the organizers wanted it. So what's going to happen is people are going to be like, no one's forcing you to get the COVID vaccine, but you can't do anything. You can't go to sh the store because it's private business. 
right? This is the same way that they really affected the quote lockdowns is they just made it so that there was nowhere free to go. So I think <laughs> everything we're seeing is the rich getting richer. The look, man, if you want to, if, 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 if I had to buy a stock right now, I'd buy, I'd buy these pharmaceutical stocks, you know, got it. People got to get the vaccines. They're already saying they're going to put vaccine status on, on, on cards. China wants QR codes on your phone for the whole world. Cause that's what they're doing. So, uh, yeah. So guess what company is going to make a ton of money? I seen V for Vendetta. You, you've <laughs> seen V for Vendetta, right? Mm-hmm. The guys who, who, uh, who worked at Lark Hill bought all the stock in the pharmaceutical company and then all became ridiculously wealthy. Yeah. Now, I'm, not, I'm not saying there's anything nefarious about the vaccine itself. I'm saying they've got a government mandate. They've, th- these companies got Operation Warp Speed. And so these pharmaceutical companies are like, we got a guaranteed $2 billion contract. D- invest in, that's money. Like the, the company's going to make money guaranteed. Definitely. Let's talk a little bit more. I, I'm not familiar with the details of Warp Speed. Are you? Because only, va- only a little bit. Yeah. Like they, they basically offered up uh, um, guaranteed contracts to the companies. So some got direct funding. And I think uh, Pfizer got a guaranteed contract. And did they, did they like strip any of the regulations and approvals or make it streamlined or anything like that? I can vaguely say I think so. Because I was just having this. Like I didn't go through the whole bill. This realization today that really the the FDA and regulations and clinical trials and all that, that that is what's standing in our way of ending all this, all of this, ending the lockdown, ending the social Well, I mean, we need need the vaccine. Yeah, I'm saying. Did you watch Utopia? Dude, I'm the one that told you to watch it. I know, but did you watch the new one? The new one. I did not watch the new one. It was way different. In the new one, there is a wealthy, you know, biotech uh, guy. Who wants to create a world with no racism or sexism or inequality? So he stages a fake pandemic so that they can ram through a vaccine without proper protocols. And then the vaccine actually just sterilizes people. Right. Make people beg, beg to take the vaccine, yep. which is the thing that actually sterilizes them. And then did have they, you seen the end yet? Uh, I saw it. No. He fell asleep, I think. But uh, <laughs> the, the idea was people would beg for it and not realize for a five or 10 years right. that the next generation. So now in DC, this is a story you sent me. Yeah. They just, they just, uh, approved 10 to three approved children can get vaccinated without parent, the parents knowing. Yeah. Whoa. So, so imagine this vaccines can have adverse reactions. That's a fact. Um, it, it's, it, it, complications tend to be rare, but they do happen, especially if, if you've got, you know, uh, how many people live in DC? 700,000 in, D- in DC proper, DC like proper. 3 million, maybe in the 3 area. million. No, 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 just in D.C. proper. Just 700,000. Well, actually, I guess if the kid lives outside of D.C. but goes to school in D.C., that's a, that, that could happen, right? It could. So then you've got uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand kids maybe, uh, potential. There's like 80,000 kids in the school district, in the school system uh, in D.C. So of this 80,000, there is possible uh, complication that might arise. Oh, and for the, sure. The mother's watching their kid convulse on the floor, screaming, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's going on. She calls 911 and they say, has your son been given any medication? No, he hasn't. Okay, and then they give the kid a counterindicated medication, and the kid just explodes right yeah. in front of everyone. Yeah, figuratively. Yeah. I mean, when I saw the headline for that article, I didn't think it was true. And, it, and, and I watched the video. I, dude, <laughs> when you sent me the link of the video timestamped for my DC City Council, like approving some bill like that, it made me laugh that you were paying that close attention to the DC Council, a bunch of jokers. Well, when I saw that the the story came out saying the DC City Council has voted. They said they plan to finalize a vote allowing children to get va- as young as 11, get vaccinated, vaccinated without parental consent. 
I looked up the hearing yeah. and I watched the video of them all voting on it. 10 to 3. 10 to 3. Yeah. And it's not even just that it's without parental consent, but it, it is a legitimate conspiracy to keep parents in, uninformed where the, the, the doctor can order the vaccine vaccine for the 11 year old who has given their quote informed consent, the 11 year old. Right. And then they bill the insurance company without it's notifying secret. the parent. Yep. And then when the, when the insurance company send you a statement, they can leave out the description of benefits. So you have no idea what that See service what was. Yeah. So the whole, there's no paper trail. There's no anything. Yep. You're completely cut out. When you go to the hospital, they ask you if you've taken any medications recently. You know, if, if you know, and there and there's probably they might tell the kid like, here's what you should or shouldn't do after giving, getting this vaccine. If the kid has some kind of complication and the mom doesn't know, the mom could do something very serious that could harm the child. Yeah, or or just the fact that how can you do that to my child? What 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 troubles me is establishing some notion that an 11 year old can give consent. Now I have I listen, <laughs> oh, Tim. Yeah. Tim, you know oh, yeah. you know that we know some people that trade in crazy theories, and we know that there's a universe out there for crazy theories. And there's one crazy theory that I've never given any credence to, which is that there's some sort of grooming, a future grooming of like pedophilia, right? Like yeah. making it okay for, for adults to have sex with kids, which is obviously the most disgusting thing you can think of. And I've always discounted. I've never paid attention to it. Sure, there's there's instances where children are, are molested, assaulted. It's a horrible, terrible thing. We must stop it. But when you start defining legally the fact that an 11 year old can give informed consent, to where else can they give this Did level you, of consent at 11 years old? It's do you troubling. know that a very popular social media app created? They had these stickers where could, that would say like New Year's and like Happy Day, and there was one of them that said they, they put out a video. I, th I think it was Snapchat. I could be wrong. It said, you know, love knows no age. Mm -hmm. Terrible. And people started saying, uh, what, what do you mean? Like, yeah, it's not like maybe you're trying to say like if you're 50 and you're dating someone who's 20, it's still yeah. kind of weird. Right. But like it's legal. But like you're going the wrong way with this one because that's not what people hear. It's exactly. And so when I brought this up to some of my friends and family about this new law in D.C., which luckily has only passed the council, it still needs mayoral execution, which is probably going to get. But then luck luckily in D.C., we don't have home rule for real. And so the final law gets approved by Congress. I've already started lobbying sympathetic congressmen as a way to get Senate them. and uh, no, it just it gets just approved us. by the House. They're going to approve it. It's Democrats. True, but <laughs> there are ways. There are ways to 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 do. I've seen independent, renegade, acting, isolated representatives in the House affect DC law because it was their pet issue. They find ways through amendments or whatever the case may be. So I started lobbying people because I can't let this happen. I tried to explain to my friends and family what it meant, and they read it, and then they just they come back with the most charitable charitable like oh well maybe they didn't word it the right way or that's not exactly Optimism what they bias. mean exactly right it's the same thing when you send people to the old blm website where it said that they wanted to disrupt the nuclear family <laughs> and blah 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 they got rid of that now i know they did yeah and and you i sent the um the guy that uh that live streamed the the portland murder i interviewed him for like an hour and a half oh, yeah, going through that. his tape back and forth and at the end I'm trying to ask him why are you doing this he's like my daughter's got me roped into it not roped into it but she's teaching me about it whatever i was like do you know what it says you're a family man you're a dad you you're the center of your family and you're taking care of your kids and you believe in the power of fatherhood and, and the nuclear family. Let's read what it says on Black Lives Matter website about disrupting the nuclear family. And he read it and he was like, oh, they just probably had a bad editor.
<laughs> it's like it, they people won't just read the plain language on the paper. The, look, man, the, the the throne was seized a long time ago by this ideology, mm-hmm. and and it, it's interesting because we had uh, Hotep Jesus on. Yeah, how was that? He was great. He was great. Um, and he was basically saying that Ian was a pessimist. And that Ian didn't trust in people, and that's why, like, you know, it, it was it was interesting to say because Ian's usually much more optimistic. But the the general idea is, the people who have who are in positions of power, the estab- the political establishment, they think that people are better off being told what to do instead of being given the freedom to do it. Yeah. Michael Bloomberg is the perfect example when he said tax the poor, and, and I don't mean that hyperbolically. He literally gave a speech about taxing the poor being the right thing to do. He he, he said. We need to tax the poor because they make terrible decisions, and if we have their money and make the decision for them, they'll be better off. To varying degrees, I understand what he's trying to say. I can agree in some capacity. The problem is the bigger picture is a decentralized network deciding for itself will be infinitely smarter and faster moving and better than a command economy. Yeah. I'm much more in favor. I'm in favor of a mixed economy. Like, we definitely need a government that can say, hey, whoa, wow, that was a really bad thing we did. You know, the market's going crazy. We need to figure this out before everything goes nuts. But I don't. So I'm not a laissez-faire capitalist, but I also don't think a command economy with one person dictating what you should or shouldn't do makes sense. These people do. So Bloomberg passes the tax on sugary drinks. It's like, no, dude, like you, you, you need a cultural shift to get people to do to do better. You can't just mandate you can't drink soda. You know what I mean? Right. You you, you figure out the right way to get people uh, uh, like, to, I don't know. It's got it's, it's got to be a cultural shift. It's got to be based upon giving people the choice to do the right thing taxing things but but giving people the choice to do quote the right thing but comes with the acceptance that people are going to do the wrong thing yep and being prepared for that and being willing to live with those consequences are you an optimist or a pessimist an optimist would say i think that in a long enough period of time humans have the house advantage 51 to 49 so the way a casino works is sure. they don't care if you win. They love it when you win. Good. It's marketing for them. They want you to cheer. And so everyone hears you winning and then makes them gamble more because on a long enough time frame, the house always wins because their edge is, you know, over a point. That's this, the same thing in terms of, that's how I view uh, giving people free choice. We've proven consistently that on a long enough time frame, humans tend towards succeeding very well, actually. And these people don't believe it. These people think humans don't have the edge and need to be constrained. And that has led to disaster every time it's been tried, yeah. every single time. Yeah. What, one thing that works just as well as success being rewarded is failure being, being you know, consequences for failure, right? Yep. So people make dumb decisions. They don't have to make dumb decisions for very long. Unless, of course, we're all going to socialize their negative, you know, their, their bad decisions, which is when you get into that hybrid space where you'd give people the freedom to do what they want. Then when they make the bad decision, then you have to pick them up and take care of them. I remember my dad used to describe to me welfare. He's like, son, do you want the people banging on your door looking for bread or you want to just give it to them? Like, oh, it's not a bad, not a bad thought with that being the assumption that there was always going to be people looking for bread, right? Yep. The way I, the way I put it is, they say, you know, if you, uh, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man a fish, you feed him for the rest of his life. Well, the left often says, like, you can't lift yourself up by your bootstraps if you don't have any boots. And I'm like, yeah, it's really simple. You teach a guy to fish, hand him a fishing rod and say, have at it. And that's the end of it. Yeah. Give them the means to do the fishing. So there are certain things. So, so that's why I'm, you know, left-leaning in certain, like, I'm independent left-leaning a bit. Because, like, <laughs> yeah, we'll take a person, you know, they're struggling. Teach them to fish. Give them the fishing rod. 
You know, we, we can't take care of you forever, but we can do our best to help you out. You know, I've, I've, I've gotten uh, unemployment benefits when I was in my 20s, and it saved my life, kept me from being yeah. You know, homeless. Yeah. So I think these, are, these, these can be good things. The problem is when people get addicted to them, and it's just easier to stay on than, than to get off. Yeah. And so now what we're seeing with the COVID lockdowns is that instead of figuring out a way to survive, a lot of people are just screaming for the government to print more money. Mm. And that's literally calling for the destruction of your economy. And they don't care. It's just people screaming to extract mm. more from the machine. It's not, it, it, they, just, it's, they don't care. 99% of people in America can't even like point out where Washington, D.C. is on the map, much less understand the long-term ramifications of increasing the money supply, you know? Right. <laughs> so who knows, right? But maybe we're facing a huge demand shortage, so deflation is our biggest enemy. I don't know. I did just see that house prices in D.C. are going up. There's a huge spike in real yeah. estate activity. So some, I know, think the rich, the rich are going to have, are, are gonna, are, it's, it's the greatest, it's the greatest thing in the world, man. If you're, if you're rich, think about what this means. They're going to decimate the economy with the lockdown. And then you can go buy all that property up. Two things happen. For one, the interest rates are in the gutter because they're like, oh no, the economy, oh, the interest rates drop everything down. And so you can buy up all this property and get a great rate. And the property value is tanking in a lot of places, especially in New York. And mm -hmm. then what happens when they're like, we've de deployed the vaccine and the property values skyrocket back up again. The economy collapses, the rich people buy everything up, and then it comes back, and now they control everything. Yeah. And it comes and goes in waves. They keep doing it. So poor people lose everything. They're struggling, begging for help, and the rich are getting richer. Bezos' net worth skyrocketing, Amazon's value skyrocketing, all these big companies, all their revenue, everything skyrocketing because they lock down small business. It's a, uh, you know... People are fighting back. I saw a little bit. I saw I saw like a, a burger shop who was defying uh, the codes and doing GoFundMe's for the fees for the for the the fines. Yeah. And I saw another gym owner who refused mm -hmm. at the rate of like fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, he was like he tore it up. I think. Right? Yeah. 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 You know, uh, we we need we need more of that. And and I recommend action like that where you're directly if you're going to protest conf confronting the rule enforcer or the rule maker that is legitimately authorized by the government don't put your local hostess at the restaurant in a hard spot by refusing to wear a mask yes. or not yeah. complying don't be that jerk you know it's look, not her decision dude just make her life easier it sucks for her too you know i understand wearing masks i understand wearing masks when you're going shopping i don't understand masks when you go to a restaurant and you walk in and they say right this way, and then they sit you down and you take your mask right off. Well, dude, now uh, in DC, the restaurants are like you have to have your mask on the whole time. You're, the whole time you're not eating. Anytime the wait staff approaches the table, you must put your mask on. And I went out the other night, and and I'm eating, and I've got the cloth napkin. It's like a really thick, nice white napkin. And they they come up with the next drink, and they just kind of stand there <laughs> and they wait sheepishly from like six feet away. And I went like this, and instead of putting a mask on, I just went like this with the. You know, with the napkin, you know, and then the guy's like, "That's not how you do it. I'm, that doesn't work." He goes, it's, "He goes, it's dirty." I'm like, "What do you mean it's dirty? Just like the masks, it's all dirty. Everything's dirty." He's like, "I'm not gonna. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong." And my girlfriend told me, you know, these people think that they're risking their lives. They yeah. do. They've been lied to. They're risking their lives by doing this service for you, and that they're at risk of dying if I don't. If the difference between me putting up a cloth napkin versus a cloth. Face mask yeah. is making people insane. It makes me not want to go out. It makes me not want to. How do you to... hang out with people like that, you know? I don't, I don't know anybody who's like that. You don't. Because they don't, I mean, they don't come here. <laughs> I know they exist. I've talked to them. But like my, my circle of friends and, and family, they just don't. They're just not like that. 
Yeah. You see that that funny meme? It says uh, uh, it's like normal people, and it's a guy wearing that gigantic. It's it's a gigantic thing you put over your your head, and it's got a vent that pulls air in. It's like a clear front and a big. And like, he's like, like you're going underwater. It says like it's like normal people, and then under it says conspiracy theorists, and it's people smiling and having turkey and Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly. You know, is, yeah. Isn't that? Interesting? Oh, actually, I can pull it up because uh, I think I think Mike Cernovich. Oh, we have the meme. Yeah, yeah. One second to find the meme. Isn't that the thing? The conspiracy theorists are the ones who want to have school open, and the normal. ones who want to yeah. have Thanksgiving and travel and get back to work and open up the economy. Tim, if you were an 85 year old grandmother with 12 grandchildren all in grade school right now, and you thought yourself you had two or three years left of life, would you demand that your grandchildren be deprived of their senior prom and their varsity last varsity year of sports and hang out with their friends so that you can live out one or two extra years of your life? No. Of course not. No one would. No grandmother would. So, Why don't we let the grandparents decide on the lockdown? You got to see this thing here. This is this, this is the meme. Normal people. <laughs> Look at this thing this guy's wearing. Like, oh, okay. Jack can't see it at all. So, so normal, normal people aren't really wearing these things. This is like a weird marketing thing people are trying to do. But then conspiracy theorists, it's like grandma, like giving the turkey and grandpa's like smiling and everyone's clapping and happy and... Yeah, man. They, People, they, uh, they tell you what they, they, they accuse you of what they're doing. Yep. Yeah. That's basically the it's very, it's, cross it, board. And, it, and it's working. And so if the Republicans are sitting there with their feet up smoking cigars, being like, dude, I don't want to be involved. I'm just happy to get paid. And so you, you've got one side. When we had Hotep Jesus on, he was talking bad about the Democrats. And I was like, we do that. We, we smack talk Democrats all the time. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what do you think about Republicans? And he said something like, I don't know that the Republicans are doing anything that I could actually complain, like, actually, like, talk about at all. Like, what do they do? And I'm like, they don't do anything. They're literally just sitting around pretending to fight, I guess. How many mm-hmm. hearings have they had on big tech censorship and done nothing about big, it? Oh, those Republicans. Yes. Yeah, those yeah. Republicans. Oh, yeah, I don't mean the people. Yes. Okay. No, yes. I mean the politicians. Yeah. Yeah. No, I trash. know the Democratic trash. politicians are doing trash. But the Republican politicians are like, we're fighting for you. And then they sit down and they we hate them all. We hate them all. The MAGA movement has no respect for the GOP. We hope it Mm -hmm. dies and disintegrates and blasts into a million, billion, trillion pieces. And we can truly point the finger at them as the limiting factor in many ways in Trump's success. So no love lost there. I was never a Republican. The book isn't Democrat to Republican. (laughs) Right. Right. It's Democrat to deplorable. You should you should write a new one called uh, uh, Deplorable to Ugly Chumps. Ugly chumps. That's what Biden called them. He called them ugly chumps. I'm, I'm an ugly chump. I bet I, I bet I bet I could be Biden ugly in the push-up chump. contest. Yeah, you sure could. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you okay. probably could. Well, let's uh, do it. Did you know that Biden gave a speech today or something? Nope. <laughs> Nobody did. Politics? Forget about politics, Tim. We're moving, I'm going I'm I'm to make some skate videos. Do it. I want to know. First of all, I think that you should lay down seven more tracks and put yes. out an album. I think that that first song that I heard blew my mind. No offense. Exceeded all my expectations. Sure. The video was fantastic. You can play and sing, and it's on point, and we need art. We need art like that. We need videos and movies and books and literature and music and music videos. So, Tim, you should do that. I've often wondered, coming up here so many times, what's it like 10 times I've been up here? Yeah. And I, and I wonder, you know, where are you going to go, Tim? You're, you're younger than me. You're 13, 14 years younger than me, probably. How old are you? I'm 45. I'm 34. 34. Okay. Yeah. 11. 11 years younger than me. You've got this whole YouTube empire built. You're doing great. You're, you're fulfilled. And I'm wondering, where are you going to go? What are you going to do next? 
And it sounds like you're starting to make some moves, man. You're scaling back just a little bit. Scaling back just a little bit and going to start doing some other projects. Oh, not scaling up, scaling back, actually. On the videos. On the videos. I mean, but we're going to be because we're going to be. Right, right, right. So, I mean, maybe we'll see what happens. Uh, I've taken, you know, I think uh, the day after, uh, it was a Sunday after the election, I took the day off, like for the first, the first literal. I'm taking a day off. I've never done that before. The only times I've ever had off is because like I lost my voice or I had to get like a tooth, you know, fixed or something. And so I had no choice but to take a day off. That This was literally me being like, eh, I'm going to go ride my bike. And then I rode my bike 32 miles and people were like, that's not a day off, dude. It's like you rode your bike 32 miles. It no, was that's in, awesome. It, it was of course intense. it's a day off. Awesome. No, it was brutal. I was like, at, after like 20 miles, you know, I had 12 left. I just kind of like my brain shut off because yeah. I couldn't stop. I'm in the middle of the woods. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. There's no, you can't call anybody, you can't get a ride. It's like right. you either get on your bike and you finish the 12 miles or you just sit in the woods forever. That's awesome, man. So it was like, my legs felt like, it was, it was a weird feeling, but it felt like I was ripping them to shreds. Tim, that's amazing. And I, and I want all of you guys out there listening to this to take note. Get outside, exercise, get whoa, your whoa, heart whoa, rate whoa. going. COVID, bro. COVID. Look go at trees. When, Look at trees. Was, <laughs> when was the last time you guys saw a freaking tree, man? Listen to birds. Get out there. You got to get out there for your sanity and to fear. connect with nature and reset yourself. Well, so we're I'm gonna, happy we're gonna, to hear that. So I want to know more, though. I want to know. We're going to start doing events. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen because the, the lockdown stuff is getting crazy. Is getting crazy. But we're probably going to do uh, right now within the guidelines, like we can have events. You know, we don't have 100 people. We just have like, you know, maybe 20 people, which is apparently fine. But we're also in the middle of nowhere. So like no one's coming out here. But uh, <laughs> the goal is to just do some events and, and start filming videos. And uh, the vlog channel is going to be more just fun and shenanigans, I guess. Good. Just, just, to, just to like uh, it, it's, it's a combination of for one. Things things are going to start. It depends on what happens, I guess. If 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 you know, all hell breaks loose in the next month or so, you know, the reason why I I I do political commentaries because there's too much to talk about. There's right. just so much going on all the time. Right. But I also think it's uh, expanding the business. I can only do so much as an individual, and yeah. if I'm going to create different, you know, verticals, different, uh, uh, you know, genre content channels. So I the, the vlog channel was planned a long time ago. This this channel run right now was originally the vlog, uh-huh. but then COVID happened. I see. So I was like, we couldn't get, I couldn't find the vlogger. It was too hard to do. COVID happened. So we're like, we'll just do a talk show, I guess. Now I, it's like, I okay, now we, got, now we got to get the vlog going. Talk show is relatively easy to do because we, 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 you know, we, we've been hearing the news all day. We sit down, we have a conversation. You have great guests. My, Indeed. my, Indeed, the best guests. The, the six segments I do on my other channels, Timcast and Timcast News, those are, those are harder, a lot harder to produce. Yeah. So uh, I don't script anything, but it is reading for hours nonstop in the morning all day all night constantly just pulling things up and uh doable but it's intense yeah you have amazing retention i remember everything it's just yeah i like it i like it sometimes when i'm riffing on just bigger picture issues you stop in you're like well no and then there's this process and then this thing and that thing and that thing i'm like sweet i read that's exactly what i need hundreds of articles a day probably yeah and so the reason why you get into this groove where I read everything. So it's like when I see a story and they say, you know, Donald Trump declares X, I say, oh, wow, because he declared Y back then, which means this. And then you can pull that stuff up. I do think it's funny when I, I see like I'll notice something and there, there's there's oftentimes as much as the left won't admit they hate admitting it or they don't actually watch my content. There's a lot of stuff that I report that's fairly original. And then I see it right, you know, pop up and a bunch of people start saying similar things and then, you know, becomes a meme or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. But at a, at a certain point, 
you know, it's like political commentary, I feel like, is just one direction that has its, its cap. And if I'm going to expand the business and do more, that means I got to lead the charge. Yep. So th- that's one of the, been the, one of the biggest challenges. There's no, what do they call it, like a turnkey business? Where mm-hmm. it's like you click the button, walk away, and the business makes money. Yeah. It doesn't work in this industry. <laughs> or any. I mean, but no, I mean, like, the, the idea is it was from, I was watching a King of the Hill episode where, uh, you know, he con buys a, a, a car wash. Yeah. A turnkey business. You, you set it up. People go there. They put the money in the machine. They use the car wash. They leave. Yeah. And then you come back, every, you know, you know every, every night and you pick up the money and then you go deposit in the bank. And repair the machines and pay the insurance. And right, right. But you're not wood. there managing on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I know. Yeah. It's just sort of a myth, this idea that there's a business that runs itself. Passive income isn't hardly passive at all. And you definitely need to lead the charge. Expand. Right. Expand. I mean, do you think that there's a social or emotional toll on focusing on, on, on the conflict and chaos and politics all the time? Does it get to you ever? No, I've been, cause I've been focused on it my entire life. Yeah. Cause I got, I was, I would, because I was 14, 9 11 happens. Yeah. Then we get all the war stuff, all of the music videos, all the celebrities, everything they're screaming in my face. Yeah. Barack Obama comes around, we're going to end these wars. I vote for him and he lied to me. <laughs> so it was like, it was endless. It yeah. was endless. So I started working for nonprofits. Yeah. And then it was it, literally endless. I'll tell you what, man, I worked for a nonprofit in California and it was when the Deepwater Horizon thing happened, when the oil spill happened in the Gulf. Yeah. And they gave us this fact sheet. So I'm waving to people and I'm like, I was like, hey, we got a serious disaster. Did you hear what happened in the Gulf? Like Deepwater Horizon erupted. We're trying to get funding for awareness. We need support. And people will be like, wow, I didn't know that. And we had pictures and everything. And then one day I, I wave to a guy and I say, here's what's happening. Here's how much is spilled. And he goes, that's not true. And I was like, what? What? And he goes, that's not true. It hasn't, hasn't spilled that much. The actual amount it's spilled is like, you know, it's like 10 times less. And I was like, oh, and it's like, why are you lying to me? And I was like, oh, I no, nah, this is what, the, what they gave me. Like, yeah, why did they give you lies? And then I got really angry. Called up my boss right away and said, yo, some guy just told me I was lying. I just looked it up. This isn't true. Like, you told us to go out and raise money. This is not true. And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, uh, well, just keep keep using it. And, uh, and I was like, well, you're asking me to commit fraud? Like, to lie, knowingly lie to someone to get them to give me money? I'm not doing that. They fired me. Good for you, Tim. Well, I mean, I can't. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to go to jail for this. Like, li- I know I'm lying to you, but give me your money anyway. Yeah, people lie and get money all the time without yep. going to jail. So good on you. There's been a vigilante in you forever, I imagine. Well, so that was that was you know I, I worked for nonprofits, and then eventually I was like, these companies, they're just companies. The nonprofits are companies. They have a bottom line. They want to make money. And there's like the, the you know what I learned the, the the real nonprofits, the real charities, are the small ones, where it's like a dude who picks up a bunch of hot meals and drives them around it's himself like to uh, yeah, it's like a church. They drive around hot meals to, to to people who are hungry and and to the elderly. That's a that's the, those are the real charities. Then you see all these like TV charities and these big brand charities. One look at look at Joe Biden's charity, right? They gave zero towards cancer research. It was a foundation supposed to give out grants. They gave like nothing. It was all salaries, like just like big six figure salaries. That's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make any accusations, but let me tell you something. If you get <laughs> dirty money, if you need to take some dirty money, you do you start a charity, right? If you got to pay out dirty money, you hire people you know for that charity. You pay him a salary, and then once it runs out, you shut it down. Exactly right. Cleaned. Exactly cleaned right. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what he did. I'm just saying, you know. It's easy to do, and it happens all the time, and there's all kinds of nonprofits like that operating in Washington, D.C. And, you know, you, you, people get paid, and they pay taxes, but it's tax deductible for the donors, which makes it a you nice know, thing for them. It's it's better than, than paying someone directly. It's not taxed, you know, so it's tax advantaged. 
It's all a game, Tim. All of it is a game. I teach my son at a very young age. He he learned to ask who's who's getting paid. Where's the money going? What does Alex Jones always say? Uh, is it key bono? Key bono? Yeah, it's like a... Who benefits? Uh, yeah, yeah, who, who benefits. benefits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my even my son at like eight and nine was like, somebody somewhere is getting paid. Yeah. True. <laughs> and Someone's finding something from this. Yeah. So, so you know, when, when it comes to the political commentary stuff, it's like, uh, I'm doing more than anybody else. We could, th- this show is the most fun out of any of the commentary I do. Yeah. So it's like as long as we keep booking Woot. people and keep you know doing stuff like this, it's a lot less stressful. It's a lot more fun and engaging. Yeah. And uh, it requires me to like, I'm not as like so much time is consumed on my other show, which is an hour and forty five minutes a day of political commentary and various news stories, and that's re- a lot harder to produce. And and uh, yeah, it's it's tough. But it's funny. I do the opposite. So for me, like coming here, you're right. Easy, easy to uh, not have to prepare a whole lot. Uh, for my interview show, like I will, I, I spend probably 10 hours preparing for each interview. Read, oh, wow. read the art, read their latest book, read their latest commentary, be up to speed and go slow and like get into it. And I wish I could put out two or three of those a week, but I can only do them in bursts, like yeah. eight and 10 at a time over like two or three weeks. And then I'm just exhausted because it's so much work. So, I love it though. Not complaining. So here's anything. the other thing. Uh, when I was covering stuff on the ground, I would walk like 10 miles, 20 miles a day in some instances. Yeah. It was great. I was doing parkour, like no joke. Yeah. Uh, during Occupy Wall Street, what made me effective in live streaming was that I could run through a packed crowd. You get a packed crowd of a thousand protests in the street and I could move through it as if there was no one there because I was like jumping left, right, crouching, going, you know, going under people's arms and stuff and then finding the spaces, jumping over things. And then you... St- spend so much time the past couple of years just sitting in a chair all day every day i'm trying to skate as much as possible but man is it it just feels bad i've been i've been extremely physically act, physically active my whole life skateboarding since i was younger and uh, uh so I, I used to skate eight hours a day just endlessly just gaunt and covered in sweat not able to eat i used to eat like i used to eat a ridiculous amount like ten thousand calories a day just to keep up with skating that's how intense it was now I'm sitting in a chair and it's like, ah, this is awful. You know, it's just, it's too much. But the problem is I can't even go to the DMV to get like my license updated because I work literally until 4.30 from the morning and then I eat, get some exercise and then prepare for this show. And I'm like, that's not, that's not, that's untenable at a certain point. Yeah. It's, it was, it, it was, it worked out for the past two years because we had the midterms until the 2020 election. But now I'm like, you, you mentioned that music video, right? I wrote that song. I wrote the story. The music video, everything it's based on, I executive produced it. So basically, the the, the animation directors, the, the animators in the studio who put it together, they did a bunch of brilliant stuff, like the color changes. Each different political faction has a different color. But uh, basically, they'd send it back to me and say, here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. So one of the things we did was they they added something that's really interesting. At one point in the, at the last verse, there's a sign that on the TV, it says, don't trust the wolf. Mm-hmm. Something they just added. Mm-hmm. And then I said... Make the kid holding a stuffed wolf animal in the under the bed. So now it's nice. like, yeah. Nice. And so basically, I came to them with a story. I dictated it. They record like uh, uh, Nishiro recorded me telling the story of what the song the song's going to be, basically what it is. And then I performed it, wrote the lyrics, and then you know helped like produce the video. There's a ton of other ideas I have for a bunch of really great short films and documentary stuff that I've never been able to produce. So. At a certain point, if I want to actually expand, 
I have to stop hyper focusing in one area, slow, you know, pull yeah. back and then dedicate more time in another area. Yeah. So if I do only two of these segments a day instead of six, I would, I would be doing my show would be cut down to about uh, my main podcast would be about 50 minutes, 50 to 55 minutes and down from an hour and 45. This show would be exactly the same. But that means I could finish up way earlier. And that means I can spend more time shooting the vlog content, selling merch, making cool stuff, playing with lasers and, and gadgets. Also, though, hiring people to do documentary films, like doing legit long form documentary stuff, real impactful stuff, sending out a crew to go and cover a big political issue and giving them like a decent budget and stuff that requires oversight. So that's kind of the part of the plan. Moving into management, Tim. I mean, to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's like, I mean, what it's, 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 that's what happens. Well, it's not, it's not that it's what it happens. It's like, man, it's just like, I hit, I, I'm at this point where if I just do the exact same thing I do every day, six segments, then this show, that's the plateau. How do you expand beyond that? You yeah, can't. you can't. If I'm the person who's physically doing it all, I can't hire someone to do commentary for me. I can't be like, you know, hey, you you talk fast here. Come sit here and record this segment for me. I can create a channel where we have a variety of hosts who do certain things. So there's, there's definitely plans for more content. But that means I have to free up some of the time throughout the day to bring on more people to do more stuff. Yeah. And so part of it is I'm going to have more time to, for one, exercise, skate. But we're going to film that and we're going to use that for a brand and, and merchandise and just having fun. And at the same time, that's, you know, I could I could still th- theoretically do all that right now because I have that about hour every day. But then we, I, I want to do uh, like that music video. Need time to record music. Yeah. More importantly, though, I got some really great ideas for short films. Do and, it. And documentaries. expand. You got to expand your creative horizons and make time. You we got to we got to launch the. Uh, uh, so here's what I've been saying to people for a long time. COVID 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 caused this problem. It was two years ago. The plan was to launch an actual brand. And then COVID happened and everything went and just like was a sledgehammer to all the plans. Tim Pool stops at a certain point. You know, I've gotten I've gotten beautiful offers from big companies that would have set me up for life. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, I got to be honest, like, I don't think I think a lot of a lot of people who, who work at some of these companies who. So I've, I've been to these big pod- podcasting companies and they're like, here's what we're offering you. And I'm like, I don't think you're as good as business as I am. You're, you're as good at business as I am. I think if I was in charge of this with no contracts and nothing holding me down, I'd make way more money. So at a certain point, I need to create a brand that can house more than just me and my name. So I can bring on people who I think have talent, who need uh, a, a place to get that you know step up opportunity or whatever. People who are really good at something, but don't know how to get that path forward. So you're a, cap- a capitalist in the capital sense of, of the word at this point. Absolutely. Well, not, not that you weren't, but I'm saying, <laughs> but I'm saying moving, moving to, you know, trading your labor for using your capital and putting that to work. Yeah. I know a lot of people who, uh, are, have some skills that they probably can't market. Like yep. it's, it's how skateboarding works. For instance, pro skateboarders are struggling right now because the industry has changed dramatically. It used to be you got, uh, you got a sponsorship from a company. You say you go pro, you have your, you have your pro model. It's a board with your name on it. That board is sold in stores and you get, you know, a dollar every time a board sells, but you might sell a lot all over the country with millions of skateboarders, tens of millions, you know, or more, you might sell a decent amount and you're going to get paid well, but you also have magazine spots. They call it photo incentive. So if you appear in a magazine doing a trick and you can see the board, they cut you a check for 500 bucks right on the spot. Well, it's changed now. Nobody reads magazines. They, they used to put out promo videos like the video drops at this point. They still kind of do. They still do. But Instagram happened. YouTube happened. Now the highest paid 
professional skateboarders in the truest sense of the word are not even that good. They're just fun to hang out with. So you watch their video and it's a dude who can skate and his buddies and they're doing funny things and having a good time and it's entertaining and they sell way more boards than some of the biggest companies that were like the pro and best skaters. Yeah. So pro, but pro skaters don't know how to, they, they don't know where, where, how to, you know, uh, actually sell the value of their skills. Right. And so what happens is a company says, we know that if we film you, we're going to sell boards. So you don't got to worry about it. Otherwise, you don't make any money at all. Right. That's capitalism. Right. You know, I think the left doesn't understand that you can't just take a skateboard and be like, we're going to pay you. But North Korea does. <laughs> no, for real. They have like, this is the craziest thing about North Korea. They have skate parks and there are kids who are told like, your job will be to be a, to, to be a skateboarder and that we'll, we'll make sure you always have your board and you go to the skate park and you skate and get good. Nice. That's crazy. <laughs> anyway, the point is. But Tim, I think the moral of the story here for you is, is in today's day and age, and especially with the audience that you've built already. Do do what's fun, and the, your your audience is going to go with you. Well, I mean, I don't. They don't. They don't. Have, there's no obligation, and I think the no. They support you. They love you, dude. That's what I mean. There's a, there's a lot that do, and there's a lot that just casually watch for sure. But I think the uh, the point is, I mean, regardless, figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Do your thing. Yeah. You know. So it's it's really funny because I got people smack talking me. You know, they're always talking smack, like uh, uh, as if as if somehow I all of a sudden one day came into money and I was like, dude, I used to work for Disney. Like this was six years ago. I worked for Disney. Do you think they pay nothing? Like, right. no, Disney paid stupid money. Yeah. Like uh, there, there was one instance where uh, I'm just going to I'll just come on say because I got no problem talking about it. I was trying to break my contract because they went full SJW and I was like, I don't produce this stuff. And one day I woke up with forty thousand dollars in my bank account. I was like, what is this? And they were like, oh, it's, it's your bonus. And I was like, for what? Like, I'm not doing what you want me to do. And they were like, you know, just, uh, just, uh, and I'm like, uh huh, sure. And then sure enough, it came time for my Bribery. contract, my contract. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, let's grease the wheels a little bit, buddy. Why don't you produce some of this progressive SJW, whatever? And I'm like, mm-hmm. nah. And so then when my contract came, came due, they were like, so, and I was like, so, and they're like, Okay. Um, have a nice day. Yeah. And I'm like later. Yeah. So, so I've, I, you know, and then I had to figure out like, uh, I've, I've saved a bunch of money over the years working hard every day. Every day, consistent, hardest working man in this whole medium. I say it all the time. So, so, so yeah. I started, I started a business. I started YouTube and I flew to Europe and I flew to Sweden and that cost a lot of money. I didn't make that money back for a while. So I had this money saved up. I invested it and I started doing that, went down that route. And then started doing more and more. And it's funny because people think like we bought this really, we, I bought this really big house and people are like, wow, Tim must have won the lotto. I'm like, dude, I was trying to buy this property a year and a half ago and then COVID happened. So, uh, it was, it was a year and a few months ago. I was doing, I was touring buildings, trying to find it. Our sale fell through and then bef- like winter hit and made everything really hard to go and check things out. But then when COVID happened, it was like, that was the end of it. So then when it came to, you know, at a certain point, we were on like a hiatus for like four or five months. I was like, now nah, we got to We got to force this through by however, by, uh, by whatever means necessary, because otherwise we're just sitting here doing nothing. And it's the same thing every single day. Yeah. Now we have the house. We're not quite set up. I got good news. What's that? Gigabit Internet will be here in yes. three Lit. weeks. Lit. Gigabit. So no more uh, Internet cutting out when we do shows. <laughs> or, or can I, can I, can I, tell, can I tell them this? Tim texts me a couple of weeks ago. He's like. Dude, you have good internet. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> that was like a week ago. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I got good internet. He's like, can I give you an 83 gigabit yeah. file to upload? <laughs> He's gonna drive it to my house so that we can upload it was on the... my 75 up and down. Woot woot. And I'll yeah yeah yeah. So uh, I had to, I had I had it driven to uh, Philly. 
where we have gigabit. You can't just take it. To it was case. faster because it would have taken. So I, I set it to upload overnight. It's like 15 hours to upload. Yeah. And then it crashed. Of course. The browser crashed. And I'm like, <sighs> so I tried it again. Whatever. Browser crashed. Faster to drive there and back and yep. drive there, upload it and drive back. It was like four, four or so hours to drive there, but then it uploads in 10 minutes. Right. So it's just like, <laughs> might as well just send someone out. That was the, the Sunday special with Ben Shapiro, right. which is really funny because the, these, like a lot of these lefties who are like the, the, the leftist YouTube people, they're, man, I got to say they're low information people. Like they're not good at connecting the dots. And I don't know if it's just the active Twitter people who do it or whatever, but they're like, they're spreading this meme around that I refuse to have people on my show because we don't have good enough internet or something like that. I don't do Skype, but that I did a Skype with Ben Shapiro. And I'm like, I didn't. I, I recorded it hard to the camera. And then I sent the file to be uploaded. It was like, uh, I'm honored. It was, it, I thought it was a good show, but it was, it was like we did a, a, a standard call, low res, like not broadcast quality conversation where I could hear him. And then he would ask and then I would answer. And then I took the hard file and I had to upload it because uh, it, it was long story short. First of all, we don't have actually. Is there a screen anywhere in front of you, Jake? No screen. Sometimes I wish there was. I have yeah. this little <laughs> monitor down no. here. I have this little monitor down here. And we have multiple people and we're not set up in any way for Skyping. And the Internet can't handle two streams up and down. It's bad enough that our Internet cuts out. Could you imagine if in the middle of it, our guest cuts out, we can't come back? No. So I'm just like, dude, we, we're not designed for that. But I'll tell you something else, man. Online interviews are a waste of time. Oh, get out of here, dude. I, it's my bread and butter, and I think i gotten really good at them. He makes it work. They're, 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 it's, well, okay, fine. To be fair, <laughs> there is a big difference between, like, we're talking, and then you can, you can, I can see how you, what you, I can see it in your eyes, I can see it in your face. Yeah. You might be like, wait, 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 hold on, you'll interrupt me. When it comes to online stuff, it's like, I ask, you answer. I wait, you ask, I answer. I wait. It becomes, it, it's good for probably an interview on facts and data and stuff like that. But when it comes to having a real conversation, there's nothing that beats sitting down with people. You yeah, know? no, I, I agree. In person is very good. That said, I think, you know, in my defense, <laughs> Jack Riffy Live on YouTube, baby, uh, I can, I, I can, I think, reach a good creative spot with somebody on a, on a, a you know, remote interview like well i that. think i think you've done like this the thing you did with matt brainerd was was significant was important yeah that interview on the you know so that's the voter integrity fund finding you know yeah. actual evidence and looking at the data so you know it's better better to do it than you know if you can't get then someone in person do it right yeah definitely yeah. uh you know the sound quality must have been really good when you did it the way that you had done it because you had hard live recordings in each places and then they just merged the video up. everything was pristine perfect quality yeah. and i'm like did you not realize that i had a 4k video right. no no artifacting perfect audio it was 83 gigs and then we sent it out for upload and then they edited them together yeah Yes, yeah, so some people notice. They're like, "Yeah, I realize it sounded like you were you were reading answers to like you were giving your answers to specific questions." I'm like, "Right," because that's the only way we could really, you know, we could really do it. The, the, you know, I guess the other, the other issue too is like, first of all, I don't go on anybody's shows, but I made an exception for Ben Shapiro because you know he's Ben Shapiro. It's a it's a big show, and uh, I've interviewed him in the past, and so he hit me up, and I was like, "Yeah, okay," you know. Like, but there's a lot of shows. I won't go on people's shows for the most part. Yeah. I, I'm, I got very little time at all. And, and so that, 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 that was it. I woke up at eight. You know, I'm sorry. I woke up at seven, uh, reading the news, start recording, you know, start, start my research, you know, from, from eight to four 30 recording and everything. And then from four 30 until six or whatever, it was 
setting up and doing the recording for Ben. Then the, once I was done, I grabbed a bite to eat, came upstairs, and we did the next show. Grinding, grinding, grinding. But one thing, it's one that, of the reasons I don't do other yeah. shows. One thing you've been talking about, which I think is good to, for people to remember, is like you have to be very mindful with your time. You have to be very de like deliberate with your decisions around your time and time management. I personally have been working to try to make sure that I, I say no to enough things so that yeah. I can say yes to the things that are important to me. I've had I've had some pretty big shows, and I'm just like, yeah, I can't do it. The, the the traditional ones I just ignore. Like when I when I get hit up by like, you know, Fox News, right. <laughs> I don't want to call them out, but I'm just like, right. there's literally no upside for me to to spend my time. Like if you want to offer me a hard contributorship, they pay they pay millions of dollars. Some of these people, it's it's insane yeah. to get to to get a guarantee. Like if we hit you up at this time, you got to come on. But I wouldn't I wouldn't do any of those deals, man. I think I think it's a bad idea. If I had you know, a podcast network, I've had them come at me and I've had networks be like massive, massive offers, you know, just like rich for life kind of offers. And I'm like, nah, it's not, it's not worth it. It's not, I wouldn't do it. I went down that route with, uh, with Disney and it was a mistake. Mm. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out for, you know, there's some other shows that took big deals. Hmm. Not going to mention any names. No, but, uh, you know, I think. I kind of feel like, I mean, no, no, sure, I'll say, it. I mean, it's pointless not to, but I think, you know, I think Joe Rogan took the Spotify deal because what the Wall Street Journal, Journal reported, it was like a hundred million dollars. Yeah. I think it's going to, it's going to slice away the overwhelming majority of his audience. On December 1st, Joe Rogan is going exclusive on Spotify. So he's going to, he's going to be, it's going to be a major boost to Spotify, but he's going to be off iTunes. You know what happens when someone for the first time opens the iTunes app to find a podcast? Joe Rogan. Yeah, of course. That's that that's that's the best real estate in the podcasting world that he's losing, but what <laughs> for good reason. I mean, yeah. You know. So, but there there is a analogous situation here in in broadcasting history. If you remember Howard Stern. Yep. Howard Stern What's has he a, doing? wild wild I mean, he's still rich, right? A sure, wild, sure, sure. wildly popular AM radio host on public broadcast uh, FM radio and then uh XM Right. Or was it serious? Serious. One, one of them. Was it serious? They're now, they're now yeah, the same. So. Yeah. Uh, took, you know, hired him away into this walled off pay, pay per prescription. And I think that uh, they were pretty pleased that they did that. He made a ton of money. He was uncensored in a way that he was, yeah. couldn't have been uh, on uh, the public radio, broadcast radio rather. Uh, and what did it do for his career? Did, did it, it made him wealthy, but did it make him have wider reach, more narrow reach? No, but you know, it's, uh, it's, I, for me, I'd call it retirement. Is he still even doing it? Is he is. He, he is. And he's show. super anti-Trump and he's super pro-establishment. He's apologized for being, you know, off color and stuff. He's really just become this, you know, <laughs> vanilla yogurt, boring, Boo. you know. He, I don't he listen was, to his show, to be honest, but was I was reading some articles. Back in the day, back, 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 oh, yeah, he's back, apologized back, back, for a ton of the things. He's denied saying some of the things he said in the past. He was a shock jock. He was the shock jock. Was, I, look at, I look at it this way, man. If If somebody takes a massive payout to do that big jump, for me, in my personal opinion, and I mean no disrespect to Howard Stern or Joe, I, I look at it like you're, it's a retirement. It's like you do this hard work. You do it for a long time. You reach the, the top of the mountain. What do you do? Someone comes along and says, we're going to cash out your chips. 100 million bucks. Yeah, okay. Heck yeah. I'm done, man. I'm, I'm, I beat the casino. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Now I can hang out. <laughs> you know, but to, to be fair, though, like Joe got the best pop, like one of the best deals in the world. He's getting uh, Wall Street Journal report. I don't. I don't. I, I'm assuming that they, their 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 data, you know, their facts are straight. They said 100 million bucks, and now he doesn't got to worry about getting banned. Dude, well, is that really accurate? 
I mean, I suppose the contract is so big that they're not going to cancel him due to internal pressure. I kind of feel like I wonder if in his contract it says if they sever, he gets the payout. Because then it's kind of like, ban me, do it. Right. Because right. <laughs> then I'm, I'm be, free and I get the money anyway. He'd be, he'd be pushing that for sure. Uh, it's just an interesting thing to think about sort of setting up a walled garden around your content and what is the goal of what you're doing. I mean, remember, I remember listening to the Joe Rogan podcast back when there was just it, it was just this tripped out weird yeah. intro and they were just talking about MMA and his comedian friends. And, yeah, yeah. And, and that was it. Do you know the story, the Joe Rogan Tim Pool story? I mean, which one? The the original, like how it all went down. No, oh, yeah. this is this is a great story. So uh, during Occupy Wall Street, like a couple, like a month after Occupy, <laughs> drinking game with Occupy Wall Street. <laughs> so after after uh, uh, it was like a month after they shut down the park, so it still existed. Joe's podcast was on UStream, I think, and he was getting like decent viewership, but uh, it was just like the Joe Rogan experience on UStream. It was you know, and so people were tweeting at him, "You got to have Tim Pool on your show." And so he tweeted at me something like, yeah, man, I'm down. Let's make it happen. We DM'd. And then I was like super excited. And so I wasn't trying to push it because I was, I think I was 25 and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Joe Rogan's a famous comedian. So I bought a plane ticket and I said, okay, he's booked me. He's told me where to be. He's told me the time. I got on the plane. I fly to LA. As soon as I land, my phone goes, sorry, dude, I can't do it. We got something come up. And I was like, oh. You know what, man? Nobody, I can't get mad at somebody for not doing me a favor. But I was smart about it. And I said, there's an event, a protest happening in LA. So I definitely have something I can do while I'm here and I can hang out with people. So it was a bummer. Now, like a year goes by and people are tweeting at Joe again, like, dude, you got to get on Tim Pool. Now it's 2012. And he, he tweets at me and he's like, uh, <laughs> he's like, you know, we tried doing it last year and it didn't work out. What do you say, man? And I was like, yeah, let's do it, man, for sure. And he's like, all right, let's do it. So, uh, no. again, tells me what time, no. tells me the place. No. I get on the plane. No. I land. Sorry, oh. dude. Can't do it. And then he had, he still had a show. He just bumped me for other people. Mm. He, he bumped me for other people. What a dick. And so, uh, he double, he double twice. booked you. You flew across the Well, country. it was the first time, then a year later. And dick, I, f dick move. This was, this was back. It was less formal. And, uh, I was at a point in my career where I was like, I have to take that risk. Totally. You know, it's like if if he bumps me, it's I I can't sit here and be like cover my costs, do this. And I was like, no, I'm at that point. Like I'm not. I think I had like thirteen thousand Twitter followers, but I had enough people following my live on the ground reporting that you know it got his attention. And so that was it. I I was I was I was pissed, and I damned him. I was like, bro, how are you doing this? Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, this is the second time I flew out here, and then he just didn't respond. <laughs> and I was like, whatever, man, I'm over it. I'm over it. And so that was that was it for a couple of years, and then I guess uh, he 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 just one day hit me up and was like, "Bro, I'm so sorry about how that went down." He's like, it, "I didn't, it didn't." I guess he was saying like it didn't really like he didn't really he didn't realize because for him it was like he does his show and doesn't matter like he didn't he didn't realize I'm some dude like trying to come out all excited, and so he apologized and asked me to come. He's like, "If you ever want to come to one of my shows, man, just let me know." And so uh, we went because I was in Philly. And I was like, you are you in Philly anytime soon? He's like, oh, dude, I'm in Philly like next week. And I was like, bro. And he was like, dude, come on down. <laughs> Went down to his show. And then uh, his show was amazing. Yeah. And then he invited us backstage and hung out. And he was like, I'm sorry about that. It was basically just like, like I said, you know, for him, he's this famous medium. He does his thing. And it was kind of nonchalant, like he didn't think it mattered. And for me, I'm like this you right. know, hungry Huge young. break. Yeah, yeah, this hungry young dude, like super excited. 
And then it wasn't him trying to screw me over. It was just like it was it, it would something been, came up and he didn't. He was like, whatever. It would have been like getting booked for Carson. And, you know, in like the 70s or the 80s, Johnny Carson. And you're like in the green room ready to go on. And they're just like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Or Sorry, dude. Out. But, uh, you know, but he was like, dude, I didn't realize you were flying out for this, man. Like, I feel so bad. He's like, you know, and then uh, he just apologized. But then uh, something funny happened. Um, I did a video about his Jack Dorsey podcast. Yeah. That got like major downvotes. And uh, I did like a 10 or 13 minute segment or something. He auto copyright claimed it. So I uh, get a notification for a copyright claim that all my revenue is not going to go to this company. And so I DM him like, yo, hey, man, like you, I think I think it was automatic because I showed a screenshot of the podcast. Mm. And then uh, he was like, oh, sorry about that. Let me let me take care of it. Then he comes back like 15 minutes later. He's like, hey, man, you made some really good points. Can I can I call you right now? And I was like, <laughs> oh, all right, sure. And so uh, he calls me. and We talked about uh, just like what I had said in my segment about Twitter and the censorship and what was going on. And he was like, man, man, yeah. He's like, I, you know what, man? I owe you. You got to come on the show sometime. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. He's like, dude, I really appreciate this, like, you know, helping me understand what's going on, on Twitter and stuff. And I was like, for sure. So I'm sitting there in my, in my shorts. I'm playing World of Warcraft. And then my phone rings and I'm like, it was Joe Rogan. And I, I'm like, hello. And then he goes, do you want to come on the show on Friday? And it was Wednesday. And I was like, I got to, I got, like this Friday, I got to fly tomorrow. He's like, yeah. I was like, all right. Like, I guess so. <laughs> and then from there, it just kind of fell into place. The Twitter thing with Jack Dorsey yeah. and Jack Gotti. So basically, yeah. after we did that show, he was like, we got to do something crazy and don't tell anybody. We're going to try and see if we can pull it off. I don't know if it'll happen. Don't don't cite, you know, if, if we talk about it, it, you know, people probably will jinx it. So we'll just see if it happens. And then you get a call, come out. We're going to do this thing. And I was like, it's like. I'm going to sit in front of CEO of Twitter and their lawyer. And I was like, whatever, man. Dude, you were on point. I watched that one. You were on point. I didn't prepare. Like, I, I didn't, well, I didn't do any extra, like extra, extra. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't sit down and say, like, okay, here's what I gotta talk about. I was just like, yeah, tell me where to sit. You knew all the stuff already. It's all in I, your head. You know, I, I at, after the fact, I was like, oh, there's a couple of things I could have done better, but whatever. I'm not, I wasn't there for anybody, but you know, I wasn't there for, for, for other people. I was there because there was a lot of things I was angry about, a lot of things I had seen that I wanted to talk about. So it didn't wasn't an issue. But I do think they thought it was going to be, why did you ban Alex Jones? And they're going to be like, because he said this. And I would go, oh, fine. <laughs> no, yeah. it was like there's a deeper philosophical questions about yeah. what does it mean to break the rules? What's the political like perspe- perception on your rules? And like who who made you the arbiter of what, what's what's acceptable politics and stuff like that? Yeah, and it was clear too that they seem to be learning things from you at that time, and they don't know exactly what's all going on inside of their big Nothing's corporation. Changed. Nothing's changed. I have yeah. I have a similar story about getting bumped several times. Dave Rubin has asked me to come on his show <laughs> three times now. I, I did not fly out, luckily, but it's always like, all right, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, and then. Something happens. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then something happens. And, it, and it's fine. That's you know, how, that's you know, how it works. The game works. I but, did. I did. I did a live stream in like 2016, I think, because people had asked me about what had happened with Joe Rogan. And so I did a stream explaining what happened. And I just said, listen, man, I'm not mad at anybody because I can't get mad at someone for not doing me a favor. Right. Like he, him offering me up this, this show. I was like flying out to L.A. the second time and getting bumped is mildly perturbing. Wow. Yeah, I was mildly perturbed to put it uh put it that way. Yeah. But but at the same time it's like I I took the risk. I I took the shot. It didn't happen. I'm not going to be mad at anybody, you know. I'm not going to hold a grudge or anything like that. How do you handle something like that, Tim? What did you do? 
What'd you do when you get the call? When you get the text? You I, just landed six hour flight. I DM'd him back like, yo, what WTF? And then I moved on with my life. I was like, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what do you, what, what, the, the problem was like, I knew who he bumped me for. Who was that? I'm not going to say their name. It was multiple uh, people. Oh. But I guess he, I, I guess like for him, it was like business. Yeah, I got these people. I can get them on right now. I better do it. I got to tell Tim I can't do it. Yeah. And then he didn't know that I flew out. I get yeah. it. So I, you know, he it's probably didn't realize. Fair enough. I mean, I thought it was a dick move, yeah. but, you know, I don't hold it against them. It's just, and th th this was eight years ago. This was like, his show was not that big. It yeah. was just like Ustream. It was like, you know, one of the first like podcasts. It even, sure was. Right? I didn't even realize. I'm like, why am I listening to this? It worked out for me. Because yeah. then he ends up being like, I feel really bad about how that all went down, man. You should come out to my show and then come on the show. And like we ended up doing uh, one of the most significant shows he had, like to sit down with these. A absolutely. You know. And it, what's interesting to think about it is if he had had you on earlier, it would have been less impactful right. than right. you going on later when his audience had grown and his reach had grown. Such a dramatic yeah. effect. Yeah. So it all worked out in the end, Tim. And now you're talking and then, about uh, skateboarding. Yeah. Well, so the 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 last time I went on earlier this year... It was because I probably shouldn't there, – there was, there was somebody else who wanted to do a political discussion, left, right, like you know me, him, and Joe Rogan. And I'm like, you're still just like – one of the problems with these conversations on, on Joe's show is often it's liberals and leftists talking about conservatives mm. without bringing conservative on. Mm. He's had on Crowder before, I think, too. But like the, the, the Twitter thing was, you know, Rogan's pretty left. And then I'm like left-leaning but, you know, very critical of – critical race theory and, and uh, you know, like a, a disaffected liberal type. But there were no hardcore conservatives in a, in a conversation about conservative censorship. So that's that's one of the things, too. But so, uh, you know, I went on uh, Rogan's show earlier this year because we were supposed to do like leftist commentator, me and, and Joe. And then COVID happened. So the other person was like, I can't I can't make it. And then I and, and so I was like, I'll, I'll come, whatever. I'll take the van. I got this van. I need to drive it. You know, we'll go drive it. And then <laughs> the we... van, the white van. I had a guy join uh, the Liminal Order, and I interviewed him just the other day, who told me that he first started listening to Joe Rogan, then he heard about you, and then he saw me on your show. Right on. So, so the Joe Rogan <laughs> radicalization funnel <laughs> is in full effect. It starts with Joe, passes through Tim, ends up with me. Interesting. Radicalized, doing all kinds of man stuff. Man stuff. It's just amazing the way that the network works and how you put yeah. out content and people come to you and, and how this whole web is just uh, being woven all over the country. And you're at the forefront, man. You're pushing things. You're pushing huge numbers, and competing with the big guys. I mean, we got to, we got to, we got to, we got to simmer down on politics a lot. Yeah, we, we we have to, we have to. So, uh, I can't announce anything specific, but I'll just say, and you know the details, so don't say anything. <laughs> We're planning a really big show, which is, <laughs> it's not going to be political, but it's with someone very political. It's going to get me in trouble. It's going to be, but fun. The, but yeah. So we'll, you know, we'll, that's that's in a couple of weeks. It's just, <laughs> I'm just asking for trouble doing what I do. Indeed, well, you got to have fun. I think you said to me once, do, just to not be bored. Yeah. So, so the idea is we're having on some pretty prominent pol political uh, figures, but we're not going to talk politics. Good. Because one of the things we were, we were talking about is like, okay, this is going to be risky. YouTube's like, you know, trigger trigger happy if we if we bring on some controversial figures. But I'm like, or so it was proposed to me, like we should talk about all these other things outside of you know, basically. Once the media shifted to the Trump narrative, it's been Trump talk politics all all day nonstop. And there are other cultural issues yes. that kind of got brushed aside in the past, you know, 
10 months or whatever Definitely. with the election F- up. five years even uh i am yeah. booking a whole new slot of guests for my podcast jack murphy live on youtube uh and i'm, I'm deliberately trying to stay away from politics history culture awesome. science futurism yep. actors uh comedians cool. like really trying to go with evergreen content back to things that can really help people in their lives rather than just swinging for the fences with the uh, you know brawling in the political sphere we're all um, kind of exhausted by that yeah yep yep the election's over so yeah. uh tomorrow i'm going i did one segment this morning and then i was like i don't take the rest of the day and then we'll, but we're gonna do the show late at night and then uh tomorrow's thanksgiving you know i'm gonna have some turkey or something i have no idea whatever <laughs> but uh we should do some we should we should super chats because we went a little long huh? hello super chats if you have not already smash the like button give it a little tap there's a little there's a little thumbs up it really does help and uh, uh thank you for doing so and don't forget to subscribe hit the uh, uh smash the like button subscribe notification bell let's read from uh some of these super chats colin p says People often need a common enemy to unite against to bring them together. I suggest uh, us PS5 owners gang up on Tim for not having a PS5. Haha, <laughs> ha, you PS4 trash. Yes. Um, I will have a PS5 in a couple days when it comes in the mail. PS4, more like PS4. <laughs> PS5. Just all, I, all I play is Skater XL and Spelunky anyway. It's pretty straightforward. But it's because I beat Dragon Dragon Quest a long time ago and, you know, I beat Skyrim 50 million times and then Fallout wasn't, Fallout 76 wasn't that good. So I used to play Destiny all the time and uh, The Division. You ever play The Division? You play video games at all? Uh, no. When I was younger, I pioneered the Atari Twenty Six Hundred wow. and ColecoVision and all that. You but. might like Division. I don't. I don't know where they're at now. Division Two, but it's basically there's a, a pandemic causes you know basically complete collapse, and then. But the cool thing about it is the <laughs> I guns. We're getting away from politics. Well, but it's it's a game where it's like a Tom Clancy game. You yeah. play a, a special operative. Uh, the president enacts Presidential Directive 51, creating, a, you know, a, a, a remnants of the government trying to hold things together. And you're in New York. The first one is New York City. The second one, I think, this went back to New York City. But what's cool is, like, the guns are real guns. Like, you actually find guns and you do mods. And I'm pretty sure, for the most part, they're based on all real guns. So it's like... Sweet. Yeah, it seems like, you know, a game conservatives would probably get a, get a kick out of. I mean, probably a lot of Clancy games they'd, they'd probably like. Charles W. says, holy cow, Twitter just suspended the Republican who chairs the committee that yep. held the hearing on PA's election today. Oh, Unbelievable. Man. We were talking about that earlier. Yep. Let's see. The Hylian Juggalo says, five years been a mental health nightmare. Friend had psych break from it. He thinks he lives in 9601 down to the tech he, uh, down to the tech he has. Talks only about events like Bill's scandals. Huh. Stares into space if I bring up any event since 9-11. Interesting. Wow. Crazy. Scott Bullion says COVID will never go away because Democrats know how to steal elections now. Mm. Garrett Crowell says 70, 72% of Republicans will leave the GOP if a Trump party is formed. Trump needs to do this and pick his legislature, turn the GOP into a second party. I mean, that might result in a conservative split, which gives Democrats a supermajority for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's how Bill Clinton got elected. Yeah. 40 something percent of the vote. Barely. Wow. Well, that, that that was also Ross Perot. That's what I mean. It, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. it was through it was three right. parties, and yeah. and Clinton didn't even win uh, a majority or even come close. Joram one four four says, "Found you through Jeremy from the quartering. Mm. Been stuck ever since. We just nice. had him on uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy's cool dude. We had him in. You know, I've known Jeremy for a bit. He's cool." Gone Fall says about the Biden laptop. I saw a post about how the computer repairman closing shop and disappearing amid purported death threats. Your thoughts? I did not hear that. It's what we talked about earlier, man. The uh. uh it's the tactics that leftists use. You, you, like, so you have this judge issuing the injunction on the PA certification, 
And I'm saying, like, I think, you know, Ian Miles Chong tweeted that judge is probably getting inundated with death threats right now. Right. Remember the judge who, like, the dude showed up to her house and yes. shot her yes, son? Her yes. Son. Shot her son and then, like, shot her, shot her husband and then took off or whatever? Jeez. Dressed like a FedEx guy? Man, it's like the movies. Mm. Crazy stuff. Worse. Demonic Sensation says, hey, Tim, Jack and Lids love the stream. If Trump somehow wins, any thoughts on him standing down and Pence taking over to calm the leftist storm? Not sure if it's possible, but an interesting thought. Hey, from Australia, by the way. I don't, I don't oh. think that would calm anybody. Pence would not calm the left yeah. at all. Yeah, he's he like he's the, far the, more conservative than right. Trump. The joke, he's yeah, way more conservative. The joke was like, if you impeach Trump and convict him, <laughs> you're gonna get Pence. Like, have you thought about think that about, one? Think ahead. Let's see. Jarhead Steve says, if this continues, the bell ringers are going to have to do what we know to do. Semper Fi. Hmm. Trent Lamolino says we need to we need to lead a movement to stop giving money companies that are crooked to companies that are crooked list of companies that are anti-America and lead a huge mm -hmm. exodus boycott with money, not tweets. Yep. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Let's see. John Doe says greetings as a Muslim. I'm really happy to see 17 to 30 percent of us voted Trump, but I think Trump should have courted us with his Mideast peace policy. We heavily voted based on foreign policy, and I wish we would wake up. Happy Thanksgiving. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, the foreign policy was big for me too. Yeah, and it's a high number yeah. for Muslims. I didn't and know we that. know uh, the good new the good news now for the uh, uh, neocons and the the warmongers is that uh, with Joe Biden in place, rest assured, they'll be bombing kids in no time. But we'll be nice about it. Yeah, but he'll be he'll Polite. be he'll he'll, he'll 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 smile and wink at you and say, "Come on, man!" And you'll go, "I can't <laughs> oh, be mad at you, Joe. Joe, Grandpa Joe. Can I play with your leg hairs?" <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh. Ginger Prime says, hey, Tim, I'm another fence sitter and love the content. And honestly, that being said, I listen to Will of the People every day and want to know when we can get a video and professional version of words in a book. That song hits my heart and soul. I guess if uh, at, at a certain point, if I so so right now, my main channel, my first channel I ever put together was YouTube.com slash Timcast. I do one segment, but it's the other channel where I do five. If I wind that down to just one in the morning and then one at four, I'll have tons of time to I could record a whole album in a week. Because then, like, Nishra uh, uh, is the one who produced the song and did all the arrangement and everything. So do I've got, like, a thousand do songs. Do it. I got some really simple poppy ones that people seem to like. They're really just simple pop rock. Maybe, like, indie-ish. Nine-Tailed Fox 1000 says, Tim, I am totally convinced the Dems stole the election. And if Trump told the American people to take up arms in his name, I would happily do so. That is a very similar comment that Reuters published. And I think it freaks me out. I don't like, I don't like the idea. But uh, I don't know what to say about it. Like, what do you do? Yeah, I, I, I have no idea. That sentiment won't go away. It won't go away. I don't think Trump is going to ask anybody to do that. I'm pretty sure he's going to fight it as far as he can in the courts. And then that'll be that shadow government. I don't know. I don't, what? Come on. I mean, something's something's going to happen. It's not it's not going to be normal. Just that's the easiest way to put it. Whatever happens, we are not going back to the normal way things used to be. There's no such thing. It's not going to happen. It's a new normal. Joe Radler says, Tim, sell copies of those paintings of YouTubers you have on your studio walls. Of YouTubers? Uh, can you put switch to Ian's camera? Yeah, here. Even though he's not here? So the, the art you see on the screen is Joe from Biden. G Prime 85 on Twitter and Instagram. It's George Alexopoulos. We had him on the show last week. But uh, it's not of YouTubers. It's just creepy, Politicians. creepy art. <laughs> it's really good. There's uh, Joe Biden eating a small child. And he has a bunch of them. And uh, you can check him out at gprime85 on Instagram to see all the other art he has. But uh, I think I don't I don't know if he sells them, but I, I hit him up and said, dude, we got to get, you know, full frame of these comics because they're amazing comics. We have one with uh, 
Trump, Joe, uh, Joe Rogan and Joe Biden. Captain Spence says we need to start protesting outside police departments, asking them not to enforce lockdowns. We must protect our liberty and rights to assemble. Well, protest as you see fit. I think the most powerful protest, nonviolent civil disobedience, is to just go about your life. Go about your life. Living well is the best revenge. But it's like, just go have see your family. Like, be safe, you know. But uh, uh, I can't believe they're like, don't go to Christmas and don't go to Thanksgiving. It's like, I think people love their families more than they're worried about getting sick. Yeah. I, you know, and, and I think the bigger issue is that when Gavin Newsom and other Democrats flaunt the rule, like just disobey their own rules, nobody believes it's serious. And that's their fault. They extinguish all credibility with their corona posture when they uh, accepted and encouraged the protests and the riots this summer. And this public health officials came out and said racism is more of a public health issue than corona. Get out there and protest everybody. That was the end of trust, period. If the financial crisis wasn't bad enough in 2008 and nine, where nobody took got any penalties for the fleecing of the American economy and the stripping of the treasury, then this is the final straw. This, this, this disconnect between public statement and policy and then the private behavior of the officials who are supposed to enact it. And then, and then just the public health officials saying racism is more important issue. Think about it this way. The left clearly already doesn't believe there's a rule of law. They say, we're locked down. Don't do these things. They go out and do it anyway. They go riot and they go protest. Yeah. So the, the fact that they're rioting shows they don't care. They don't care. Then for the right, they're being told, we're going to destroy your businesses, your livelihoods. It's going to take away your jobs. And you can clearly see there's no rule of law because the left is smashing everything up. That's amazing to me. It's almost like we're in, you know, I wonder if we're in a simulation and they're doing an experiment to see at what point conservatives just like lean back and then like, ugh, and just go back to work. It's, it's, it, here's what's amazing. You, you actually have people rioting, being cut loose. The DAs let them go. And then conservatives can watch that happen and be like, but I'm not going to sell my t-shirts at my clothing store. It's like the, the levels of willingness to break the law on the left are just like off the charts and conservatives are all the way at the bottom. Okay. But it, it's important to remember that those Antifa activists and protesters and rioters that deliberately go out and put them, they know their coach that they can get arrested and that they have a defense fund and they have people that are getting them out on bail. There's a system that sure, facilitates sure. that. So it's not necessarily about like, how bold are we? It's, is there an ecosystem with appointed judges and DAs and the whole thing where they, they know that they're going to be okay? Sure. But that, imagine if the, the scale was they would sell donuts at a donut shop versus a conservative selling donuts at a donut shop. That's when you're equal. Yeah. And them being like, I know I can get away with it. You'd be like, well, they're just selling donuts. No, they've stepped it up to, a, they, they've turned the knob up to 11. Yeah. So, they know they can get away with not just breaking COVID lockdown, but literally burning down buildings. Okay, they can't really get away with that. They, they are getting charged and arrested for that. But they can, be part, they can partake in these riots and likely will get away with it. And then on the right, they're like, I know that if I open my store, they will throw the book at me and there's something I can do about it. Yeah, unless there was enough of us. If we had like a, a day. What, what is the opposite of a strike? That's what we need. Wow. We need yeah. the opposite of a, a strike. In. A work in. <laughs> I have come up with a brilliant idea. A national work in day. I love it. And the, the opposite of a strike, the anti strike. An anti strike. Yeah. Everybody go to work. Yeah. Go to restaurants, go to work, go to the gym, go see your family, get outside. Go to church. Yeah, absolutely. Go yeah. to church. Just do it. We would overwhelm the system. There's no way they would be able to it's enforce it. And then we could have That's the point have of non violent civil disobedience. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. The anti strike. Well, you got to. You, we'll make it happen. Someone's got to organize it. So, you know, that's what the, that's what the right lacks organizational power. The left has it in spades. 
Tom Mee says, I might be wrong, but Trump is treading water. Biden will get wrecked if he eventually or actually wins. What, 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 uh, what do you mean by that? Like Trump is just treading water like he's not trying hard enough, like he, he could do more or he's struggling to stay afloat. Uh, maybe he's saying that he, he thinks Trump is just biding his time because he knows he's going to be victorious. Is that right? Yeah, I, I, don't one, one, that. One, I don't either. But there there is a belief that Trump uh, I, I've said this before. It seems like Trump's buying time. Like a lot of these lawsuits seem aimless, like he's just buying time for some reason. No idea. Uh, it could be that they're just trying to slow things down and slowly wind things down so that his supporters calm down and then get past it. If they announced like the election, boom, one day and then Trump conceded, people would be would go nuts. So it's like everything's winding down really slowly to keep the temperature down. I tell you this, if Trump does end up conceding at some point, it's going to be on like a Friday at midnight. He's going to tweet tweet something out. Then everyone's already in bed. It's a it's a weekend. They wake up on Saturday. They don't pay attention to the news. And then it'll be like, oh, yeah, Trump conceded last week. And they'll be like, oh, really? <laughs> they always do it like that. They always make big announcements. That's when Ruth I Bader think, Ginsburg died. Yeah. Yeah. Died. Yeah. But also they announced Joe Biden on Saturday, Saturday, uh, what, Saturday afternoon. Yeah. So it's a weekend. People aren't paying attention to the news. And then they're like, oh, here it is. We announce it. Oh, yeah. So, you know, let's see. Joshua Cherkinsky says, if you want to know more about Operation Warp Speed, you should reach out to Jose Arrieta, former CIO of HHS and led data team on huh. COVID task force. He's absolutely brilliant. And he has been asked by several news outlets for interviews. Cool. Cool. Spork Witch says, it's not a conspiracy. The left is promoting pedos. Big story with ASDA having to take down material promoting love knows no age limit and other pro, you know, pedo propaganda. That is not an isolated incident. It is found throughout social justice. Like I mentioned, I think it was I think it was Snapchat. I could be wrong. You know, don't sue me, Snapchat. But there was a filter. It said love knows no age. And that's weird. Very weird. Matt Morgan says combat vet here. After seeing Afghanistan, I hope we can avoid armed conflict but not at the expense of our rights and constitution. Thank you slash Lydia for giving us politically homeless a voice. Much love. Yeah. Vote. Joel Stein says Biden et al. are being super smug about everything. You think uh. behind closed doors, they're a bit worried about the situation. Probably some clenched sphincters hoping Trump concedes. <laughs> Ernesto Jimenez says, did Tim not do his afternoon shows? It is nope. correct. I did not do them and I won't be doing them tomorrow either. Uh, and then we're going to sort through, uh, you know, how things are going to flow out in the future because we got this new skate park built and uh, definitely want to have events. We have a bunch of stuff ready for cultural stuff. I'll put it this way. You know what's not, what I think is not necessarily helping? Sitting down and saying like, did you see this thing today? How dumb was that? Because at a certain point, people are like, I feel this way. I'm like, how many times have I said, oh, they're riding again and getting away with it instead of doing something that yes. makes a difference? Yes. So I'm not, I'm not a, a protest organizer. But we're going to put on events yeah. and we're going to help build culture, gener yeah. generate culture, art. So, you know, one of the biggest problems the modern, the new right has terrible art, but yeah. the right has always had terrible art. Here's the greatest advantage conservatives have right now. We have a, uh, we, a general agreement on fundamental principles in freedom of speech and individual liberty and, you know, the foundation of this country, the constitution, et cetera. So even though I am left-leaning independent, left on, on on a lot of economic policy issues and uh, pro-choice and stuff like that. I agree more on a ton of issues that are fundamental to the existence of this country with conservatives. And now people like me and other artists are now finding themselves being, you know, on the right 
or being told they are, even if they don't agree with the right on every, on, on, on every issue. And now the right is starting to get cultural victories. So Trump was a cultural victory. It was the meme war. All those memes and jokes and internet culture really helped propel him yeah. to victory. Yeah. Now you're going to find, you know, I did that music video. And it's really funny because there are a lot of people who hate me who are like, this is actually good. <laughs> Some people are saying like, man, I hate this guy, but he kind of pulled it off. A lot of haters saying I expected to be like super cringe, but it's actually kind of good. Agreed. So, Agreed. People so, like it. It's interesting that you're talking about doing stuff with the culture right now, because part of the reason I think the Daily Wire moved to Nashville was because they wanted to expand into the culture. Yep. And people like Andrew Clavin who write novels, people like Sean Parnell who write novels, they're a big part of the culture war too. I think that's significant. Hopefully we get better movies too. You want to know something crazy? What? There's a pro skater who got asked to promote a brand and the brand did something critical race theory-ish. Ugh. And all of the comments from this person's followers were Trump 2020 MAGA. How funny. And this dude, he's like early 20 pro skater, was super confused. Like, what's going on? Like, I'm getting flooded with all this MAGA stuff. And then the brand asked him to take it down. Jeez. And he was like, I got no idea, man. He's so super, super confused. So some one of the older guys in the industry who was a Trump supporter, skateboarder, pro skater, grows up. And now he's like, this is why, you know, Trump had to explain to him what was going on. So I just think. You've got a lot of people who follow skateboarding. There's there's a couple of people I follow on skateboarding of decent followings, and they're hardcore MAGA skateboarders. They're fearless, but it's because they've already been canceled for some reason or another. They had like you know their 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 sponsorships ended or something, so they're just like I'm just gonna say it. But I'll tell you this, man. Do you, like, there was a, there's a guy named Brandon Turner, and he's one of the he's 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 a legend he's a legend in skateboarding. When he was, I think he was 18, he did a trick called a switch hard flip down something called the Carlsbad Gap. Basically means he jumped over this really big thing. It's like jumping down a flight of stairs, doing an extremely hard trick. And it was a big deal when he did it. The dude's 38 right now and did one of the most mind-blowing tricks. Again, a switch hard flip is what it's called. And he did it down something, a, a, a massive set of uh, these huge four stairs, but they're like... It's ridiculously big. They're super long. It's not really stairs. It's called the Wallenberg Gap. And the dude's almost 40. So anyway, the, I, I forgot where I was going with it. I had to bring it up, though, because it's like – I forgot my point. My point was typically that you don't have high-profile individuals. You don't have uh, uh, people who are making content that goes viral in cultural like issues, like with popular music. And uh, with skateboarding, who are coming out and being straight up pro-Trump. Right, right. Well, we're looking at f creating uh, children's cartoons, actually, like one to three minute cartoons. Didn't, didn't Lauren Southern make a children's book? I have no idea. I think she did. Did she? Maybe I'm, no maybe I'm thinking of somebody about. else. You're hallucinating. We're looking at that. We're looking at other ways to influence culture like that and to awesome. spread spread the values out there in the world today, well, for sure. kids. Yeah. And Tim, you know, you're talking about getting out of politics and focused on making change and adding to culture and being, doing something fun and interesting. That, that, that's what I decided to do two years ago. And I spend most of my time engaged with the guys in the liminal order and just doing our programming there and actually being a force for good and actually being a force for positive change rather than just droning on. <clears throat> no right. offense to me or to you or to any of us about politics all day long. You said it best. You're like, how many more times can I say, Hey, the Democrats did this and it's wrong stupid i know so at a certain point it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna keep doing it but we're gonna make space to be like we're gonna be hanging out 
someone's going to roll up and I'm going to be like, dude, if you want this new set of wheels, I got to see, I got to see some flip and flip out, man. I want to see Nolly flip backside tail slide. I'll tell you what, I'll throw in some bone Swiss if you big spin out. Most people probably, I have no idea what you Your just said. Your mom's a big spin out. I have no idea what Tim just said. <laughs> but the point is, imagine they do that and we got a Gadsden flag on the wall. Right. There's there's a really good skateboarder named uh, Cody McIntyre. He's one of the craziest tricks I've ever seen on a mini ramp. I, you're not going to understand any word. I'm, a lot of you might understand this if you skate. This dude, I watched this video on Instagram. He does a, a forward flip blunt kick flip out. I, I, but he's got don't tread on me on his mini ramp. That's a uh, product placement for conservative ideas. Not even just freedom. I know. Right. It's like wow. the, the, the don't tread on me flag is like the real anti-fascist statement. Right. Yep. The what, OG. What about, what about this one? Join or die. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opposite. Uh, Lauren, Lauren Southern did write a children's book. Henry the Sheepdog and the Wolf of Mossville. Oh, uh, the, there is a good there is a good children's book out there. Uh, let me remember the name. My Red Hat. Look that up. My Red Hat was written by a MAGA uh, aware uh, gentleman uh, for young children uh, to learn the, the the stories of bullying and 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 discrimination, etc. My Red Hat. You know, it's a really good example of why this needs to happen. Because uh, Casey Neistat, I think he's a cool dude. I've known him for for quite a bit. Um, I think he's all right, but he endorsed Hillary Clinton. And I think he didn't know anything about Hillary Clinton. And he actually said he knew the Trump family, that they were very nice. But he made a video endorsing Hillary Clinton and later on came to regret it. Most people who are producing cultural content, vlogs, skateboarding, don't know anything about what's going on in the world. And so somebody comes along and says, we're a super PAC. We'll pay you X amount of dollars to promote our candidate. They go, oh, that's sounds good to me. And they don't know anything about it. Yeah. But I tell you what, you, you come to me and say, Michael Bloomberg wants to run. He's going to pay you a million bucks to do a video for him. I'm going to be like, <laughs> never going to happen. I'll tell you what, you give me no stipulations as to what the video is about. I'll make a video about Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> and then I'll make an hour long documentary about how awful he is. You know, but they wouldn't do it. They're like, no, no, promote him, endorse him. It's never going to happen. That being said, I do videos on YouTube and then his videos get placed on my videos by YouTube. Funny. But, but that's great. That's great. I do a video saying, here's why Michael Bloomberg is awful. And then it's like the video that pops up, the advertisement I get paid is him being like, I'm Michael Bloomberg, vote for me. And then it's like the video stops. Here's why Michael Bloomberg is awful. That's awesome. So it's like you're getting, you're getting, you know, corrected. As so it were. anyway, here's why Michael Bloomberg sucks. Right. Yes. He's paying you to say it. Exactly. Just like that whole Count Dankula thing that just played out. Did you see that? No, which, which one? Uh, Count Dankula was uh, being sued for libel or defamation. You mean, you mean Sargon? Oh, oh Sargon. Was it Sargon? Sargon got sued for copyright infringement. Oh, is no, you're no, there was just a libel case that was just oh. settled. Huh. And, uh, she, this, this, some chick sued him, was going ape about it. Uh, they, they just kept going. The judge kept saying, don't do it. They finally got, I think a, you're talking about Sargon. Am I? Did I get this and confused? Akiva. Yeah. 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 Much. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, Sargon of Akkad, uh, well, let me start over because it starts with Akila. Akila filmed what was going on on election night in 2016. And so then Sargon took segments of her full, full video and then titled it, SJW levels of awareness. She then tried getting it taken down for copyright. YouTube did. Sargon challenged it saying it's, it's fair use. It's commentary. A bunch of people told Sargon he was wrong. They said, dude, you just uploaded straight clips. You didn't comment on it at all. You just showed the clips. Sargon was really smart. You did. He said nothing. He said, don't worry about it. And so when she finally sued to get taken down, he knew what he was talking about. 
The title of the video was commentary and criticism. You can show someone's video raw as it is on their channel and then put the title and it is fair use. By showing her video and titling it SJW Levels of Awareness, it was apparent to everybody, the judge, even Akilah's own lawyers, who for some reason she she changed lawyers. I can only imagine it's because they knew you're going to lose. But they even said in their like one of their initial filings that the only reason he uploaded the video was to make fun of or like disparage. And so the judge was like, you acknowledge this was criticism like that's quintessential fair use. She decided to go forward anyway. And what they think it was, uh, what, what is it called? Ad terrorum, I think it's, it, it is. I think so. It's when you sue someone knowing that they can't fight back, so they're going to cave and give you whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, to terror. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what someone had referred to it as. But Sargon raised money, defended himself, because he knew he was going to win. And she sent him an email. I could be wrong about this, but I believe she sent an email saying, like, they wanted to settle for 40 grand. And so he just was like, no, thank you. He just won, uh, he just won, uh, uh, he, he didn't just win, but he, he won his court fees. Not only did he win the case, it is fair use. He then sued for court fees to be paid back because she was on Twitter gloating that she was trying to take him for all he's worth and like, you Attack know, his kids. bankrupt him and stuff My and goodness. mocking his family. And so I guess the judge said, this is not a good faith copyright suit. This was meant to drum up, you know, celebrity or something like that. I think that's what happened. And then she just recently paid him out. Yeah, but and she raised all the money on GoFundMe. Exactly, and 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 I'll say this: my understanding of what she wrote, she, she like, it was it was it was libelous. It was like intense lying about the judge. But you know what, man? The right doesn't start the fights. The Proud Boys don't go out and start the fights. The Pro- the Proud Boys will go do a rally, and when Antifa shows up, the fight starts. In that context, the Proud Boys might start a fight. I, I'm like. I don't know, you know, it's Sargon's business, but she wrote this GoFundMe raising money with lies. And that's fraud. Yeah, that this seemed to have been resolved, at least the legal fees resolved recently by her doing a GoFundMe, which means her fans are paying Sargon. And I just read about that today, which is what I meant when you brought up Sargon earlier. I was like, oh, yeah, that thing that just happened in the news. So you threw me for a loop there. But we're on point now. We got too many super chats coming in. I'm trying to blazing. Yeah, trying to raise money as we can. Do ben it. Jordan says, love Will of the People, Tim. Can't stop listening to it. If you haven't, check out <laughs> Will of the People. You can just search TimCast Will of the People, and you can listen if you haven't. And uh, share it. Because, I mean, that's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do maybe a marketing thing to boost the song just because I can, and I think it'd be fun. Uh, why not? But uh, it's, it's, it's going through the process to go up on Spotify and, and other, like, you know, Amazon stuff. So that'll happen at some point. But uh, you can check it out. And you know what we'll do at the end of the show? We'll just we'll, we'll play it for y'all so you can you can watch it here and then, you know, check it out later. Let's see. Uh, do, do, do. Waffle Sensei says the Timcast IRL should naturally fill some of the void left from the Joe Rogan experience. Mankind, mankind needs shows like these. Thank you for your voluntary service to talking about your feelings on the Internet and happy Thanksgiving. Well, uh, happy you. Thanksgiving to you, too, sir. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh Joe's not going anywhere. He's doing his show. It's on Spotify. So just you Only can watch the videos. Spotify. and Yeah. So I think there's going to be he's still doing clips. They're still going to be on YouTube. So you're all you're still going to see his content. But, you know, whatever. Matthew Spriggs says Alex Jones plus Jenk Uger and Steven Crowder. What? We would break the Internet. Yeah, it wouldn't work. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, Jenk wouldn't do it. That's the problem. It's like I, if we got a high profile leftist and Alex Jones, it would be one of the biggest political podcasts ever the leftists just never want to do it 
I asked, I think, five, I think five leftists to come on with Alex Jones. They all said no. They know all about canceling. Well, I'm sorry. A couple just ignored me outright. <laughs> and then, you know, whatever. After the fact, issued a comment saying, COVID, I can't do it. <laughs> Let's see. Ryu Kirito says, apparently Andrew Jackson made his own party when the presidency was allegedly stolen from him. And they voted Democrat for the next 100 years. Whoa. The Jacksonian Democrats. I think Trump may do the same. I don't see how I, I think Trump took over the GOP and I don't see how Republicans move on. They they like they can't just people are going to be are, are pissed. They're saying don't vote Republican because they, they the, the GOP abandoned Trump. Jimmy Rustler says, Tim, have you caught wind of the Black Rifle Coffee S show? True colors being revealed. Do you see this with Black Rifle? It has something to do with Kyle Rittenhouse in support of him or not. Yes. Well, so they I kind of feel like you just break a pen. I did. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of feel like Black Rifle's too scared to say they support Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. I disagree. What do you, why? What do you mean? I don't think it's good policy. I'm going to say my piece. This is my hill to die on. Okay. I don't think it's good policy for any company to give any form of support for anyone like Kyle Rittenhouse, whether you like him or not. And I'm going to get mean? crucified for this. And by like, you mean, you mean someone who is on trial for, for I, exactly murder. someone who's on trial, someone who's yeah, politically no, I understand hot, that. someone who's a hot potato. Why would you support They said that? they don't want to be seen as profiting off of that whole situation. That's fair. I respect that 100%. But I think what's happening is people expect them to say, of course, we support him. He was defending himself. Right. And I don't, I don't, they're like, we don't want to say sure. that it's going to, you know, it's going to be bad for us. Adjust yeah. your expectations. Yeah. It's going to look like they're simple. trying to make money off of it. Right. That's what that that's what that so that's basically what happened. The media put up some either. fake news or whatever. Fake news. Logan Matthews says Tom Clancy should sue the pandemic for plagiarism. Division and Division Two are like a prophetic vision of 2020 and the fallout after. Also, plagiarism is a funny looking word. Just notice that while you were typing it out, <laughs> it happens to us. Words are cool. The the, the game's not uh, identical. Utopia is the creepy show because they filmed that pre COVID. Utopia was filmed before COVID happened. And it is a show about a wealthy SJW who fakes a pandemic so that the FDA forces through a vaccine at the last minute at the demand of the people and then it sterilizes everybody. I want to read the book or see the British version. The original British version is creepy and weird. It has great music and great cinematography. I, I heard it's better. It. It's yeah, got to watch it. So at, at the end of this SJW one, is there one uh, class of people that is you know spared from the... The, the, the disease that uh, comes through the vaccine that sterilizes folks. I don't think so. Because in the original one, the guy plans to erase everybody except his particular genetic line. Well, we only watched the first season, and I that see. wasn't mentioned yet. God. Well, so the, the British one has two seasons. Yeah. And the, 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 the U.S. one has the one season right now that just came out. So good. Watch the British one. Okay. I got to say, I didn't, I'm not a fan of the... Uh, um, it, it's interesting to watch because of the parallels, but it's kind of not a good show. I really like. The I imagine idea. that it sounds stupid. Yeah, sounds stupid. the other one is right up your alley, dude. Graphic art, artists and novels, graphic novels and like hidden messages and like you know secret internet chat rooms. Yeah, yeah, that that was in this this newer version as well. I kind of like that. I like some of the text. All right, secret internet chat. Rooms. Here's 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 the here's the perfect super chat. D. Steve says, "Yo, Tim, dog, love and appreciate your work, man. Thank you for what you do." And who's the dude in the beard? I want to follow him. He seems pretty metal. <laughs> Lit. 
My name is Jack <laughs> Jack Murphy. You can find me at Jack Murphy Live on Twitter and on YouTube. Go there, subscribe. Let's get me to thirty thousand. We're almost there. Oh, sweet. Almost there. Jack Murphy Live on YouTube. Check it out, man. And Twitter, right? And Twitter, Jack Murphy mm-hmm. Live. Very metal indeed. Jack and Murphy Parler. Live everywhere. Are you on Parlor? There's a long story with me yeah, in Parlor. We'll get story. into it another day. Uh Instagram, Facebook, everywhere at Jack Murphy Live. I planned it that way. It worked out. It's easy Perfect. to find me. Do it. Perfect. Safety off says, bro, if you follow through with events slash culture, you, Jack, and team could literally be the catalyst to save this nation. Yes. We all need guidance on how to organize and be heard as high levels are being excommunicated from society. Oh, we're going to have comedy shows here. Definitely. We're going to film them. Oh, and the fun. jokes are going to be uh, <laughs> going to be offensive comedies. Like I was watching Family Guy the other day. <laughs> Probably the most racist thing I have seen in a very long time. Was their episode where the where the Griffins are like running from the cops, and so they go to China they go to Chinatown, and then it was like the whole episode was just like making fun of Asian people, and I'm like I thought it was funny, but it was like wow it was crazy like watching the whole episode, like there's there's one part where it's like you're watching CBS Chinatown and the CBS eye turns and slants oh gosh I was wow <laughs> like that's airing on TV right now in these in these days you know yeah. Good year. South Park gets a pass on that too. You know, shitty walk. Mm, but they they uh South Park lost their their teeth a while ago. You think so? I thought oh, absolutely. I thought, I thought last season was pretty good. They it it seems like they're trying not to not to push too hard. Hmm. Like they're they're making fun of PC principal, but they're not making fun of him enough. Mm. Like they're not really making fun of him. So it's like the PC babies. It's kind of like what's the joke? I don't know. You know, like I guess. Yeah. I guess. You you like they used to be totally gruesome, like the episode where the kid eats his own parents. <laughs> Scott Tennerman. Yeah, Scott Tennerman. There's a lot of good episodes. Yeah, South Park's got a storied history and great great episodes though. But hundred percent. Yeah, I wonder if at a certain point they're phoning it in. You know, well, I they mean, could. they're not putting out any new material right now. This is yeah. the time where they usually do. I was waiting for their new season. They put out one episode, one special. Yeah, uh, yeah, with Randy having sex with the bat in China <laughs> with, with Mickey with Mickey Mouse, him and Mickey Mouse gangbanging doing. Oh, can I say oh, that? Well, a little late in the show, maybe. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> a little late in the show. <laughs> Hope everyone's going to bed. That? All the kids are going to bed. Can I say that? <laughs> oh, yeah, you already did. Whatever. <laughs> Dunsky. <laughs> so we got uh, Anton Maxson says before COVID, I was an aspiring actor attending the NY Performing Arts Academy. I'm working on many scripts. Now when I write, my emotions take over and it transforms into this weird abstract thing. May I send you first edits via Wix? I like your input. Yes, that is the appropriate place to send stuff. Let's see. Brian Brown says, I have been watching your other channels for a while, but first time watching a stream. Love your content. Sincerely, PDX Trump supporter. Appreciate it. Stay safe out there, PDX. Doobie McNasty says, Jack M.F. Murphy. What's up, Doobie? Vosh's 1985 says the division is based off of Operation Dark Winter. Look it up. Wait. Wait, what? I don't know. Is that? We got to look it up. No. Operation Dark Winter. Sorry, my phone Can you died. Look it... I can't look it up. You got to look it Joe up. Joe Biden us. said there was going to be a dark winter. Dark winter. He did indeed. Long winter. What is Operation Dark Winter? I'm very curious now. I'm sorry. I Alexa. My phone died. Stop. We actually have one. You're going to. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're going to turn around. Uh. <laughs> What is Operation? Oh, this is real. Operation Dark Winter. Wait, what? Let me pull this up. All right. We're going to look at this. We're going to learn about this real fast before we sign off. So uh, the division is about a pandemic destroying New York. And then you go in to to, to, like fix everything. 
Operation Dark Winter was the code name for a senior level bioterror attack simulation conducted on June 22nd and 23rd, 2001. Before 9-11. It was designed to carry out a mock version of a covert and widespread smallpox attack on the U.S. Tara O'Toole and Thomas Inglesby of the Johns Hopkins Center for Civilian Biodefense Strategies, Center for, for Strategic and International Studies, and Randy Larson and Mark Demir of Analytic Services were the principal designers, authors, and controllers of the Dark Winter Project. They say, Dark Winter was focused on evaluating the inadequacies of a national emergency response during the use of a biological weapon against the American populace. The exercise was intended to establish preventative measures and response strategies by increasing governmental and public awareness of the magnitude and potential of such a threat posed by biological weapons. And then basically in the game, some dude steals it, some virus releases it, and then the government declares article, you know, the president acts Directive 51, which gives him total control. And then you come in to try and uh, uh, fix everything. But let me let me let me let me see some more quick. That would have been a good thing for Trump to do had he been a real fascist. Good opportunity. Didn't do it. From Healthline, the U.S. is likely headed for a dark winter. There it is. What? Former Vice President Joe Biden stated that we likely we are likely to have a dark winter (laughs) with COVID-19. Joe, what are you doing? He was briefed on that uh, that practice. I wonder if uh, Joe Biden, like, they were like, say something, say something crazy that will make all the conspiracy theorists go insane. <laughs> say, say it's going to be a dark winter, and then they'll look it up, and they'll be like, what's Operation Dark Winter? And then they'll freak out. There you go, man. Directive 51 coming at you. Uh-huh. Just kidding. Who knows? Yeah. Well, anyway, we went we went a little over today because, uh, I don't know, whatever. It was fun. It was Jack, fun. Thanks for hanging Tim, out. Tim, my pleasure. Glad to be here. Anytime. We, Lids. Yeah, thank yeah, you. We are, we are not having shows. Uh, uh, we have no show tomorrow night. It's Thanksgiving. Hang out with your family. And uh, nothing for Black Friday either. So we'll be back the Monday after this weekend. But uh, I, I'm taking tomorrow off for my show, too, just to have a Thanksgiving to myself. And then I think I should be back by Friday. Um, I might put something out tomorrow. I just <laughs> depends on what, you know, because I don't want to be bored. If I'm bored, I'm going to be like, there you oh, go. I'm do something. No, I'm probably going to just keep skating and trying to get we're, we're we're installing new lights. And there's a lot of work that has to go down in the building, the new building. So, you know, I think culture is going to be very, very important. And uh, having that space where cool things happen, we want to make we want to make younger people feel excited and energized by good ideas. And the way you do that is you create a space where people are comfortable, cool, confident, and these kids aspire to be welcomed and accepted and accomplish these things and stuff like that. So kind of the goal. Indeed. Right on. Support that 100%. You want to shout out your, your channels one, one more time? I would like to do that. Thanks for having me. Jack Murphy Live on YouTube. Jack Murphy Live on Twitter. JackMurphyLive.com as well. Podcast long form with some interviews mixed in. Follow me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having right me, guys. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Parlor at TimCast. My other channels are YouTube.com slash TimCast and YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. Of course, if you haven't, go to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast there and all other podcast platforms. But uh, it does help when people, you know, give us good rating and all that stuff. Or if you're listening on the podcast, give us a good rating. And uh, greatly appreciate it. So we'll, we'll be back on Monday at 8 p.m. live. So make sure you hang out with your family and have a good time. Of course, you can follow at Sour Patch Lids. You can. Sour Patch Lids. L-Y-D-S. Right and uh, I believe Ian will be will be back on uh, on Monday as well. I'm so hoping so, yeah. We'll be, we'll be back into the full swing of things. But the, the holidays are always so rough to work through because nobody wants to work. Like New Year's is coming. But I wonder what's going to happen now with this lockdown. What are people going to do for New Year's? No, no New Year's Eve in New York? Watch some YouTubes. I no so. New York, time, no yep. uh, Times Square, huh? Yep. They'll drop the ball and no one will be there. 
It's like, it's like a Black Mirror episode. It is. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. On we will see note. you all Monday at 8 p.m. live. Take care. Bye, guys. Bye.